The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey guys, what's up? We are trying to work out a little bit of a video issue, so can you bear with me one second before we get right to it? All right, let's see. No, clearly not. That was Suncast. I dialed by mistake. All right. So... Before we do the intro, everything look okay? I see that people in the chat are saying it's good. Suncast, what do you think? Yes, no? Once I get the blessing from Suncast, we should be ready to rock and roll. There we go. I figured out what happened. Me, like a genius, did not uh, disconnect this little doodad from this headset like an asshole so um anyway let's get to it welcome to a brand new episode of my take radio this is episode 212 for thursday uh january 23rd 2014 our caller number is 347-324-3541 again that caller number is 347-324-3541 you can also hit up our feedback line 347-815-0687 347-815-0mtr all right so uh, a couple of things we got a lot to get out of the way i wanted to first um take the opportunity to discuss the my take radio app um, I was actually listening to a panel today about radio shows that should have apps, and I've realized that we're really not doing as good of a job as we should be making sure that you guys know about the app, so I figured I'd get that out of the way first. Uh, we do have an app for the My Take Radio show available for iOS, Android, and Windows devices, and it's going to cost $1.99, but... You get a ton of extras with it. You get 96K stereo episodes of the show going all the way back to episode one. You're also going to get mobile wallpapers. You'll get first access before the general public to MTR Beyond the Mic, MTR Behind the Mic, and any other original content that we do. Sometimes you get it up to two weeks in advance before the general public. So it's one of the perks that we try to give anybody who picks up the MTR app. Again, it's $1.99. 
It's available in the Amazon Android Marketplace, iTunes for iOS devices, and in the Windows Marketplace for any Windows mobile devices. Again, it's $1.99. It's a piece of cake. Mortis is saying that I should sell the app like Michael Cole. You know what the problem is? Um, I really kind of have been slacking on the app only because we've been releasing so much so much content to the general public, but I know that a lot more people have been picking up the app, especially because I've been getting a lot of emails about it. So I want to make sure that everybody who picks up the app is getting the benefit, the, the most out of their um, experience. Now, a couple of people were saying, oh, well, why don't you make the app free? Um, I could make the app free and it can be done. It's just there's a lot of work that needs to be done to make it free, including needing to set up developer accounts for iOS on iTunes, um, Google Play for for Google, and of course Windows. Um, and just setting up the developer accounts is a pain in the ass. So it's a dollar ninety nine. Honestly, if you can go and buy a sixty dollar game or a five dollar cup of coffee from Starbucks, you can afford a, a, a two dollar app. I mean, we talk about this a lot um, off air, just in general with a lot of people, where we all want free equivalents to apps, and we want stuff that that you know really works and we don't want to pay for it. So I just wanted to put that out there because a couple of people uh, reached out to me when I put out the update about the app today on the fan page. And they were like, yeah, you know, a lot more people would pick up the app if it was free. And you know what? That that's, that's right. I, I guarantee you a lot more people would pick it up if it's free, but you have to take into consideration that in order to get it, we, we got to charge something for it. Uh, just something I wanted to put out there again, you can get the MTR app, in the Amazon Android Marketplace for iOS, you can get it on iTunes. And of course, if you have Windows Mobile or you're using Windows 8, you can pick it up from the Microsoft Marketplace as well. Okay, so tonight's topics, of course, we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble. I know Jay is chomping at the bit to get into that. We're going to talk a little bit about the MMA news for this week. I did want to talk about the Ultimate Fighter, but I'll be honest when I tell you I've kind of not been able to catch up with it because what's happening is I tape a lot of other stuff and there's a lot of overlap. So I, I'm not able to watch the ultimate fighter live. So it would be a disservice to you to go and read a recap to you guys about something I didn't watch or to discuss something I didn't watch. So that's not going to happen when I can watch it. Um, we'll get to it when, when I can't, it is what it is, but I figured I'd put that out there. But before we get into tonight's topics, I want to discuss um, I actually have an opening monologue for this week, and it's about, um, of all things, and it's it's a it's a rarity for me to talk anything pro sports related. I want to talk a little bit about the Richard Sherman incident. Now, a lot of you watched the NFL playoff games this past weekend, and we all had our favorite teams. I will go on record as saying that I support all my New York teams, but I'm not a fan of teams as a whole. In other words, I'll always try to support all my New York teams because I'm a New Yorker, but I have favorite players versus favorite teams. So I can say with zero remorse that I don't like the Patriots and I don't like Tom Brady, but I am a fan of Peyton Manning, not a fan of the Broncos. I'm a fan of Peyton Manning as a player. So I fall into a very weird dynamic when it comes to being a sports fan because I'm more of a fan of the accomplishments of individual athletes than teams as a whole. So, you know, I went through a period where I owned a lot of throwback jerseys. So, you know, I had a uh, uh, this jersey, that jersey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I did want to talk about this particular incident because this incident 
really brought out what I like, just a lot of armchair quarterback behavior in the sense that right after the game with the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers, um, Aaron Andrews interviewed Richard Sherman from the Seattle Seahawks, and he pretty much cut a Booker T-style promo um, on one of the players from the 49ers. His name escapes me right now, but you guys, you guys, if you look it up, you'll know who I'm talking about. Anyway, so he cut a Booker T-style promo on the guy saying that the reason he performed well was, was because the guy sucked. Thank you, Crabtree. Thank you, Mortis. So he cut this promo on this guy, Crabtree, pretty much shitting on him on national television, but he didn't say anything vulgar. He just said that you're going to get a great performance out of me when I'm performing against a subpar player like Crabtree. There was nothing too out of the ordinary about it except the fact that he he was hype, he was amped, and he pretty much called the guy out. So the, the Twitterverse, Facebook, everybody jumped out of their skin about how, oh, this guy's a thug, blah, 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 this, that, and a third. Just, just real ignorant commentary from people. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, when we do the show, I say a lot of ignorant shit. But I stand by what I say. You know, the lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of the sheep. Simple as that. It's just not what I do. And the fact is that you're talking about a guy who didn't say anything vulgar, didn't curse on national television, and just cited the fact that he was better than his opponent. I'm coming from an era where I grew up watching Mike Tyson. I grew up watching Felix Trinidad. I grew up watching the Attitude Era of wrestling. I grew up being around brash athletes it was the norm from Charles Barkley uh, to, to Charles Oakley to Michael Jordan to um, you know John Starks to you know very I can talk about various sports organizations where I'm fans of different players and there was always shit talking so I don't understand how people are so bent out of shape because he called the guy out for being a scrub like I, I really it, and, and the commentary people were calling this guy a thug and, uh, you know, you, the, the term thug was thrown around quite, was thrown around quite a bit. And it upsets me because you're looking at a guy, he went to an Ivy league school, graduated top of his class, well, you know, top of his class, um, well-spoken. And I, I, I liked the guy. I mean, I became a fan of his when he took Skip Bayless and just laid into the guy. I said, see, that's what you got to do. You don't have to be ignorant, you don't have to be belligerent, but you have to be true to the point. Yeah, sometimes I come on here and I'm belligerent, and I'm rude, and I'm crass, but it's all part of what I'm presenting to you guys. You're interviewing a guy minutes removed from taking his team to the Super Bowl, from going to the Super Bowl for the first time. I'd be hyped too. And this this goes back to what I've talked about, and I've talked about this on numerous shows, how we are as a society, fucking soft. We are soft as shit. It's like nobody has to worry about beating us physically when they can just offend us to death. And I've talked about that at length. I just don't understand how so many people can can call this guy a thug or a criminal or, or whatever other vulgar thing they want to use, uh, whether there's racial undertones or not, when all the guy said was that he was a better man than his opponent. There's nothing bad about that. It's the equivalent of cutting a promo. The same people that are offended 
about what Richard Sherman did are the same people that cheered when The Rock called Shane McMahon a pussy on Monday Night Raw years ago. Same school of thought, same rules. The same guys who like Mike Tyson when he threatened to eat Evander Holyfield's children and are offended now, you guys are hypocrites. That's hypocritical bullshit. Fact. Like I always say, I acknowledge that I am an asshole. I wear it on my sleeve. And rather than tell you, oh yeah, you know, this, is, this isn't this is good, that's not good, this is what you get. So for people to be so um, offended, it just trips me out. It really bugs me that people really got so bent out of shape about it. This was news all the way up until... Wednesday, I'd like to say, till, till, till yesterday, when the talk of, of Richard Sherman and the memes kind of died down, especially after we did an interview saying, you know, he, he was embarrassed about how he was portrayed, etc., etc. Just just something I wanted to share with you guys, because again, we are we are a nation that likes to watch people's failures on, a, on an epic scale, but yet when it's something that's harmless... We got to act offended about it. And it's just something I really wanted to put out there because it bugged me. It bugged me quite a bit. And to see to see where it to see how it emanated, especially on social media with with so many people that I'm friends with. And a lot of those people, they know who they are that are coming out and they are they're rude about that kind of stuff. But they'll be the same ones that'll, you know, say something derogatory off Facebook it's just it's just hypocritical. If you're an asshole, be an asshole from the morning you wake up to the to, to when you go to bed. If you're a scumbag, you be a scumbag when you get out of bed. Be a scumbag when you go to sleep. Don't put on a, a false image to make yourself better than everybody else. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's not beat this up. Let's get into this week's MMA segment because there's a lot to discuss and quite frankly, there's... There's, it's more news than anything else because our fight recaps were kind of meh. So let's get to it. All right, so I want to get into this week's MMA segment with some Bellator news. Uh, first off, a couple of Bellator cards are coming together, um, including uh, the Bellator 115 card, which is coming down April 4th, and that's going to have uh, Vitali Minikoff, and he's going to be taking on Czech Congo. Also, um, Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler will be fighting for the lightweight title, but that's going to be a pay-per-view fight. I see I got a communique from Slick. Uh, no, the answer to that is no. Just to move along with that. Slick was asking if Ben is going to be on tonight. And my answer to that was no. Um, as I was saying, so Bjorn Rebney confirmed that Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler will be taking place on pay-per-view. There's no announcement as to what day that's going down, but both guys are in camp for that fight. Now, a couple of things as, as a, as a guy that watches Bellator quite a bit, I'm actually glad to see that Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler are going to be given the opportunity to carry a card on their own. As we know, the Rampage Tito Ortiz fight was supposed to be the big the big sell 
for Bellator. I think Bellator has a lot of homegrown talent, and the fact that they really aren't trying to take advantage of that, it just it just boggles my mind. And then they just let guys leave, the really good guys, and they don't do anything with the talent they have. Now, in Rebney's case, I think doing a pay-per-view with Eddie Alvarez, Michael Chandler, maybe throwing in the finals of the light heavyweight tournament, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, would be would be smarter thinking. Uh, the light heavyweight tournament, that's going to be going down uh, very soon, starting with Bellator 110. And um, that's actually going to have very, very, very huge implications because both King Mo and Rampage Jackson are going to be involved. Uh, first and foremost, uh, King Mo will be taking on uh, Mikel Zayat. And um, the next one is going to be Rampage taking on Christian Mfumbu in that card. That's going down February 28th. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. Now that card, of course, has huge implications because the big get is the if both King Mo and Rampage have a solid performance and they are able to secure victories in their respective fights, then clearly we're going to get semifinal fights with King Mo and Rampage. Now that's the big get. That's the fight that Bellator should have been building on First and foremost, I think giving these guys, not to say that Zayats or Christian Umfumbu are, are, are tomato cans in the least, I think that they'll be able to get uh, solid fights out of both guys. And if Rampage and King Mo can stay healthy, then you might be able to throw a fight between them as a, um, a Bellator fight. I think that'll definitely work, and I'd, I'd love to see that. I think um, that's the fight the fans have wanted to see, and... Considering that Bellator hasn't exactly been coming off uh, a stellar run, it's they need it. They definitely need that. Also, another fight that's coming together on the UFC side of things, uh, Michael Bisping is going to be meeting Tim Kennedy in the finals for the Ultimate Fighter Nations Canada and Australia uh, TV show. That's going to be going down April 16th. I, I actually think that Bisping needs this fight coming off the eye injury. I think him and Tim Kennedy could give us a solid fight. Uh, the only problem is that in Bisping's case, he really needs to have a good showing. The guy has been pretty much a staple in the middleweight division, and it's always one one big fight, one loss, one big fight, one loss. And to top it all off, his victories, come not to say they come against lesser opponents, but whenever he gets into title fights, you kind of want to say that he chokes. I mean, coming off the eye injury is huge, but it's not going to be a walk in the park when he faces off against Tim Kennedy. In some other news, though, I am I am bummed to report that Chris Lieben has announced that he is retiring from MMA. He told MMA Junkie that he was going to be uh, retiring after going 22-11, and 11, including a 12-10 and 10 record in the UFC. Um, I'm definitely bummed. Chris Lieben is a tremendous performer. The guy started in the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. And then what you're looking at is a guy who's pretty much been a UFC stand, a, a standing guy for the majority of his career. And he realized that he was reaching a point where he wasn't going to be on top of his game. And rather than get beat into oblivion and be forced to retire, he left on his own terms. So, um, you know, it's definitely something that I'm not, not to say that I'm happy to see it, but I'd rather leave and leave on his own terms than the organization try to push him out. You know, it, it's crazy, especially in the sense that, like I said, I'm, I've been watching Chris Lieben fight since 
the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely bummed to see him go. I'm sure the UFC will give him a job of some sort. And, you know, he's going to go into coaching, so I'm sure he's going to be able to do a lot. And he's going to corner a lot of up-and-coming fighters. So, you know, we wish him the best of luck. Like I said, I've I followed his career for quite a bit. And the guy's had a lot of memorable moments inside and outside the octagon. So, you know, definitely one of those things that I'm, I'm you know, I'm sad to see him go. But... For every for every for every guy that retires, there's always a, a an up and coming fighter that that fills in the gap, so to speak. But one thing I do have to say is that the legends that are currently fighting in the UFC and there's very few old school guys left are are the guys we got to keep an eye on. Of course, Vanderlei and Chael with the Ultimate Fighter uh, that they're coaching currently, which I'm hearing good things about. And it was just announced that Shogun and Dan Henderson will be meeting again for UFC Fight Night 38. That's going down March 23rd in Brazil. Now, that card is it has a lot of solid fights, but of course the big one is going to be Shogun and Dan Henderson, particularly when you, when you consider the war that those guys had initially. You know, their last fight was a fight that that is pretty much of an epic fight, a fight that's brought up when you talk about top 10 fights that you've seen, that's a fight that comes up more often than not and I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, Dan Henderson right now, he's 6 and 5 in his UFC run, 29 and 11 overall. Uh Shogun is 22 and 8 in his overall career and he's 6 and 6 in the UFC. Of course, Shogun has come off some really solid performances. Hendo is, you know, he hasn't been faring well, especially, you know, after his performance against Vitor Belfort. So, make of it what you will, but I will say that that card is going to be ridiculous. Like I said, March 23rd in Brazil. I'm not sure if they're going to televise that on regular TV. Odds are they're going to try and dangle that as a UFC fight pass card. We'll see what happens. I think, um, you know, I think it's one of those things where, you know, if they use it to get the fight pass, uh, to sell the fight pass, I think it's something that would definitely be um, of use, you know, simple as that. In some injury news, Ross Pearson is out of UFC Fight Night 37. In his place will be Michael Johnson, who will be stepping in to face Melvin Gillard. That's actually going to be the co-main for UFC Fight Night 37. That's going to be in London. Uh, the main event is Alexander Gustafson. Jimmy Manua will be taking the lead on that for the main event. Like I said, the co-main, Melvin Gillard, will be taking on Michael Johnson, Cyril Diabati. Um, and uh, Elir Latifi will also be on that card. Ian McCall, Brad Pickett, um, a couple of solid fights. Lewis Gadenot also fighting on that. Roland Delorme will be also on that card, taking on Davy Grant. Overall, a solid card again, March eighth. Um, I definitely would like to see uh, something. Not to say that that card should be televised, but it's a card that I feel should definitely be. Not to say that that Gustafson is fighting a can, but I just feel that um, the main event should have been something a little bit more. Not to say that um, it's not a, a great main event, but I'm glad it's not a pay-per-view card. Uh, last bit of MMA news, and we were talking about this before. Uh, Vitor Belfort's fight with Chris Weidman, uh, rumored to be going down either Memorial Day weekend or July 4th. Uh, Francisco Aguilar has, you know, spoke about the uh, TRT exemption for Vitor Belfort. It seems that Vitor will be having a TRT exemption for this fight. 
and he talked a little bit about it. MMA Junkie uh, shared some of the highlights of that interview. He said, um, with regards to Vitor's request for a TRT exemption after previously testing positive for steroids, he said, I think TRT is something new and an exemption hasn't been used very frequently. Exactly, Mortis, I agree. Uh, to have it regulated in regards to Mr. Belfort, it's new territory for us. But I don't think that sways the decision one way or another. Now, in regards to him getting his license, he said the issue is going to come from a TRT exemption. I don't want to speculate on whether Belfort will get the ex exemption until I hear the full story. I think we've dealt with some pretty unique issues with different fighters, and we've got to take each issue individually. Now, I'm sure, and, and Mortis can chime in on this as well, you're really looking at if Vitor comes in on TRT and takes the belt from Chris Weidman, what kind of a message is that going to send, not only to, to the other fighters in that division, but to the fans as well? Because there's always a specter of you know performance enhancement when you're looking at something like TRT, especially in Vitor's case where you're dealing with a guy who like he got he got bagged for taking performance enhancing drugs and now is for all intents and purposes clean uh, albeit with the TRT exemption now Weidman he needs the validation in the sense that this is a guy who is coming off a a, a great win streak is is for all intents and purposes regardless of how you feel about him a legend in the sport and he's, he's coming for blood. He wants the opportunity to get the belt off Chris Weidman to validate his career. And I think in Vitor's case, him getting the belt would really put a stamp on his career, which is, you know, it's something that, that he definitely needs. I just don't want it to be at the expense of Weidman because Weidman right now, he's kind of riding the momentum. The UFC is, is trying to create new stars and I think creating a star out of Chris Weidman it would be beneficial to the sport. Um, Blue-collar guy, clean-cut guy, well-spoken. Um, you know, he always goes out there and he has pretty, really solid performances. I think in the UFC's case, you got to build off of guys like Weidman, uh, like Gustafson, uh, Rousey, Jones. You got to build off of those guys because your Anderson Silva's, your George St. Pierre's, though your even your Brock Lesnar's are really not factors anymore. Like the UFC is trying so hard to create stars out of, you know, Conor McGregor, uh, Michael Bisping. And don't get me wrong, those guys are great and they probably are, are extremely over in international markets, but you're not really doing anything with the talent you have to make them main event caliber guys. Like look at Alexander Gustafson. He had that performance with John Jones. You would have thought they would have, they would have been like, oh, you know, we, we got this guy Gustafson. He's Swedish. Um, you know, we could really use him in the European market. Not to say that his fight with Jimmy Manua is going to be a bad fight, but that's a guy that you can build up. You know, he's a, he's a marketable looking guy. Um, same thing with Ben Henderson. Same thing with uh, Showtime Pettis. Uh, you know, you kind of have guys that are already coming in with, with fanfare. Uriah Faber's one guy who he doesn't need the UFC marketing machine. That guy, I re whether you love or hate Uriah Faber, he does something that I feel a lot of fighters haven't quite mastered yet, and that is really make himself a, um, you know, not making it, not making himself the type of guy who knows how to 
how to really market himself. That's one thing that Faber does better than a lot of other guys. Faber goes and he he's he's active on social media. He sells his own his own merch. He's he goes out of his way to make himself marketable. He signs with the right partners. He knows the right way to present himself. It's it that's the that's the thing that a lot of guys haven't really mastered yet and that's the fact that they that they're making themselves a business. When Ben has been on the show, we, he's talked about John Jones and John Jones's marketability and I think that's one thing that John Jones is doing right in the sense that he knows, you know, I'm a Nike athlete. Um this you know, I'm sponsored by these major companies. He's going out of his way to ensure that his longevity keeps him attractive to those companies. Look at George St. Pierre, Under Armour athlete. I mean, they got him shilling that NAS energy drink, but at the end of the day, George St. Pierre is paid not only because of his UFC career, but because of Under Armour. You go into any store that sells Under Armour, you see football players and one MMA guy, and that's GSP. When you look at um, an individual like Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey will probably be the first female mixed martial artist to become a Nike athlete. It's a no-brainer at this point. And everybody goes, yeah, but UFC sponsorships, no, no, no. I'm not talking about UFC sponsorship. I'm talking about major corporate entities putting their money into MMA fighters. Um, Gatorade, Nike, Microsoft, who actually has has sponsored Demetrius Johnson, you know, things like that. You see things like that, and, and it, it gets you looking at these athletes a little differently. But again, these are guys that are going out of the way to sell themselves. The UFC isn't doing it. Now, in Vitor's case, if Vitor wins the belt, it's going to be, oh, you know, this guy's a legend of the sport. He finally won the belt. But you can't do anything else to market Vitor Belfort because there's that specter of testing positive for steroids. It, it happened. It existed. Unfortunately, you know, it's something that with the TRT exemption, it's possible. Look, Chris Weidman has knockout power, uh, great wrestling, but... On any given day, you can get caught. And I know a lot of you guys in the chat can agree that Vitor Belfort can knock out Chris Weidman. It can happen. So, you know, the TRT thing, it's, it's, a, it's a huge cloud over what should be an exciting fight. That's all I'm saying. All right, so that actually is going to wrap up the MMA news for this week. We do have a UFC card this weekend. It's UFC on Fox 10. It's on free TV. Make sure you watch it. Of course, you got that Saturday, Royal Rumble Sunday, and um, it's 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 pretty easy to segue into wrestling after after talking about the Rumble and talking about Richard Sherman, and it would be a disservice to not play this clip. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! So, of course, Raw was huge this week. We had the big, uh, you want to kind of call it the big throwaway show. Go, 
I don't even want to call it the throwaway show, but the hard sell for the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. So a couple of things. Um, first and foremost, the Royal Rumble, I always put it in what I like to call my big, my, my big pay-per-view schematic, which is those are the pay-per-views that pretty much set the course for the company for the foreseeable for, for the foreseeable future for a lot of reasons. The Royal Rumble works twofold. Obviously, setting up the you know, setting up a title match for WrestleMania is a no-brainer. But what comes out of the Royal Rumble, what people forget is that it unleashes a layer of different feuds that you can you can go over. In other words, um CM Punk, for instance, feuding with Kane. Um, say CM Punk goes in at number one, and he ends up being in the last four. And then all of a sudden, Kane runs out, causes interference to get Punk eliminated. You automatically create a match between Kane and CM Punk in the near future. Uh, take into consideration Daniel Bryan. Say Daniel Bryan's a member of the last four. He eliminates... Uh, the Wyatts defeats Bray Wyatt, and the Wyatts interfere, and somehow Daniel Bryan gets eliminated. You get to stretch out that feud a little longer. And these are the things that, while, yeah, the Royal Rumble itself is going to be, it's going to be huge. It's going to be something that, you know, people will always talk about because it's it's one of the, 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 be- the best pay-per-views to watch with a group of people, but... The bigger thing is the setup of not just your WrestleMania main event, but all the all the beefs and all the feuds for the foreseeable future. It's just something you really have to take into consideration. I think, in you know, in CM Punk's case, you're dealing with um, you know you're dealing with a a guy that if he comes in there and has a solid performance and makes it to the last four. For him to not win, it can't be some bullshit. There have to be some sort of shenanigans for it to go that route. That's that's all I'm saying. I mean, as much as I like Punk, we know that he's probably not going to get... He's going to get fairly far unless they take a gamble and they put him all the way in the end. Which, if it happens, he's not going to win and it's going to be due to some sort of shenanigans. Just, just something I'm putting out there. I know Jay's going to be calling in, and um, he's going to be joining me to break down the Royal Rumble and some of uh, this week's uh, wrestling news, but I do want to get into Monday Night Raw. Uh, of course, The Authority comes out, cuts their run-of-the-mill promo. Uh, of course, you know that Randall was going to interrupt, and he did, which, big fucking shocker there, but the thing that gets me is that I kind of want to say WWE, they, they they blew their load on this one. And when people when people are probably going to be like, yo, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, you bring Batista out at like 8.15, 8.20. Yeah, it's cool that you wanted to get him out there and get everybody buzzing. But I really think that you could have waited until the middle of the show for that. Because what happens is people are, they're going to, you know, they're going to tune in. And they're going to be like, all right, Batista came out and they're going to leave it. They're going to leave it at that. Not that that's a bad thing, but I just feel that, you know, it could have it could have been something you used for the uh, the half hour mark. That's all I'm saying. And um, for the for those of you that want the call number, it's three, four, seven, three, two, four, 
347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541 if you want to get in on any of the wrestling conversation. And yes, I am going to talk about Batista's attire because I see Val is in there um, sharing his thoughts. First, first and foremost, Randy Orton's promo work, it was it was okay. It was okay. I really feel that Triple H kind of saved that promo and and did a pretty decent job in terms of what, you know, what the promo accomplished. It was just basically a Batista love fest. You knew it was going to be all oh, Batista coming out and and getting in Randall's face and that's exactly what it was. Now, the crazy thing is the guitar riff hits, Batista comes out, the crowd goes crazy, and when Batista comes out, he comes out in a medium track jacket and probably the, the 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 skinniest jeans I've ever seen. Now, the funny thing is, no, his his bowling, everybody thought they were bowling shoes. They were uh, Nike Air Maxes. That's one thing about Batista. The guy, the guy always wears name brand shit. Now, if you're if you've been if you're if you're a, a gym rat or a bigger guy, and I see I see Az wants to call in. That's great. Um, if you're a, a, a gym rat, one of the toughest things that that you can attest to if you're if you're somebody that hits the weights is buying clothes. And I've always said that Batista knows how to dress. He you know he comes out in some Tims and shit. Guy knows what the deal is. But the but that medium jacket, that track jacket, you know, dude's coming out shirtless. All right, you know, the medium jacket, whatever, because you knew he was gonna end up power bombing somebody at some point. But then that the 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 lady jeans he had on, I'm like, oh come on, dude. I said to myself, nothing would amuse me more than if those jeans like tore at the quad when he was on the top rope, like posing, just real awkward, him trying to keep the jeans put together and shit because it's just it was just weird, especially because you look at Batista, the guy's, I believe he's 44, 45 years old. Guy comes out and you know, he's he's um he's just an older looking guy and as such, even even myself, you know, I'm 33 years old, you get to a point where there's just certain shit you don't need to do. Smedium ass pants is definitely one of them. Smedium ass pants is just not the way to go. As for as for the tattoos and shit, that's that's pretty much the norm. You know, Batista's tattoos have gotten progressively worse and um you know, what could you expect? It wasn't it wasn't terrible. It really wasn't. Um with regards to the opening promo, eh, it served its purpose. I see that we got a couple people on hold. I'm going to bring Jay in first. We got Jay, what's up, dude? Jay, you got it. What's going on? I am going to fulfill my prophecy this year, and I am going to become the 31st entrant of the Royal Rumble. I will win. Go to WrestleFest to win the TNA World Heavyweight Championship <laughs> with the armbar submission hold. There you go. Um, I see that. I see that our very own uh, Andrew Zarian from the GFQ Network is on hold as well. Let me bring him in. Also, host of Matt Men now on its new time, uh, 3 p.m. on Thursdays. Az, what's up? Uh, are, are, did you say that his tattoos have gotten progressively worse? Yes. How? That how much worse can they get from a belly tattoo? Well, you know what's funny? He got he got interviewed about a lot of those tattoos, like like the dragon is for his wife, the sun on his stomach was for some other shit. 
you know, the Filipino flag, whatever it's his heritage, but it's gotten to the point where half of his tattoos bleed into each other. It looks like a color forms board. I like, mean, his, between, his, between his jeggings and his tattoos, he looks like a 14-year-old whore. He did look like a bad stripper. He definitely did look like a Jesus bad stripper. Christ, man. I mean, what was up with that? I, I didn't I didn't even know what to say to that because you know what it was when the guitar riff came out I said all right he's gonna come out and I didn't even look at the jeans my wife is like yo what the fuck is up with his pants and I look I'm like ah you know just because you're talking about a 45 year old guy with medium ass pants on it was terrible listen I'm pretty trendy okay I consider myself super trendy and I do not wear pants that tight no sir. I don't even, I've never even seen a pair of pants like that. On the contrary, my quads are big enough that I have to get pants one size larger to make sure that my quads fit. And this dude's coming out. There. Listen, listen, listen. I just want to say pretty much, uh, those pants were so tight, we can tell what religion he was, if you catch my drift. Oh, shit. <laughs> Did you guys, now, I'm a little concerned with the rumble with him because he is, I mean, at this point, they're, they're, they're pretty much saying that he's going to win the rumble. Yep. I do not want to see him wear the rumble. Well, here's here's the thing with that, and and and, I, and I'm actually glad you brought that up because bringing back Batista and letting him win the rumble is pretty much a slap in the face to your entire roster. It's like this guy comes back for the payday, and because Marvel, you know, WWE wants to get into bed for, with Marvel for Guardians of the Galaxy, so they know what they're doing. But to do that to your to your audience and to do that to your roster is definitely poor form. Jay, what Listen, do you think? I, I do think there's a place for that, right? Like, there is a place for a guy to return and to have a comeback and whatever. Yeah. But I, I don't think he needs to win the Rumble to get over. No. Nope. The, the Rumble should be for a guy that's being set up as the number two guy or the number one guy in the company. But is automatically going to get a title shot. He's automatically going to win the world title. It doesn't matter for him. He doesn't need to win it. Nope. Doesn't need it. I don't really think like like I'm looking at it. I don't really think that it's gonna be that cut and dry. Like WWE is known to throw a swerve on Royal Rumble winners. I mean, a couple of years ago we had Del Rio win, and he wasn't even the in in the in the showcase to be in the bot in the top you know the bottom four of it. So I think they might throw us another swerve and to put a winner in there that we didn't even expect. Which if no, that'd be great. I hope that happens. If that's Maybe the case, it's going to be Reigns. Will win the Rumble. It's going to be Reigns, if anything. <laughs> it's going to be Reigns. Telling you. I mean, if his pants could have a finisher, it would be a triangle chokehold. I've decided. What, for Batista? Or yeah, for if his pants. Just his <laughs> pants. If, if they were to have their own finisher, it would be a triangle choke. It probably would, especially considering that The Undertaker's not there. Um... The thing that gets me is just the fact that that he comes out, pretty much no-sells anything Randy Orton had to say. Then he comes out and pretty much buries um, Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio legitimately got buried. It's not even a joke. They buried the shit out of him in that sense. Yeah, they go nowhere with that, right? Like, you're not going to see an angle between the two. They just, they just did it to beat the crap out of him, and that's it. Well, the funny thing was they were they were doing a little bit of angle advancement on Twitter up until Batista uh, until Dario tweeted Batista that he got beat up by a janitor in his MMA fight, and Batista said, "Hey, don't turn a work into a shoot." So Batista pretty much said, "Yo, don't get your ass whooped on Twitter," 
So Del Rio kind of fell the fuck back. There's a lot of people. A lot of people say that Del Rio kind of throws his weight around backstage with a lot of the younger guys, especially with Sin Cara. We know that. But I guess he tried to come off as the cooler guy, and Batista pretty much clowned him on Twitter. And he's like, "Yo, don't don't get your ass kicked, dude. Don't don't make it. Don't make it an ass whooping." So it was it was definitely very amusing. And if I were Del Rio, I wouldn't talk a lot of shit after Mirko Krokop separated his head from his body when he was wearing a luchador mask. So I wouldn't talk a lot of shit if I was. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at it like this. So when we when we when, when us as fans see it as cut and dry on paper, Batista will have a better run with anybody or any other angle other than a championship belt run. I mean, you could have him go off against. Brock one-on-one. I mean, anything else on paper will look better than just throwing him in that title chase that fast. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I, like I said, I really don't see WWE doing that to us this early. Plus, it is, it's said that this is not going to be a, a one-shot. Like, he's going to be in and out for a while. Yeah, he's so got a two-year he, year he year signed a two-year deal. Yeah, yep. he's not going to, it's not going to, you don't have to give him the, the, the one-up right now. True, but no, and he's a guy that doesn't need it, right? Like you're talking about a guy that that's coming in. Uh, the good thing about Batista, like I'm not against Batista coming back because you're creating so many different angles and matches for yep. the next year. You could have Cena Batista again. You could have uh, Batista Orton, Batista Triple H, Batista Punk, Batista or uh, Daniel Bryan. There are so many ways you could go with him. It fills an entire Brock Batista. That's another main event match. Absolutely, he doesn't need to be the main event at WrestleMania right now. This guy is a is a draw. Obviously, they walk out a three point five four. Yep, which they haven't done in a while. They're up, you know, twenty percent from last week. Yeah, there, there was no NFL competition, but that's still phenomenal numbers considering what they've been doing over the last year. Well, this here, is a guy that that is good to, for the company. Well, here's how you got to look at it too. To be facing, is he good to be in the main event of WrestleMania? I don't think so. Well, here's how you got to look at it, and this is what I've said. Remember, when The Rock came back and they put the belt on The Rock, The Rock was promoting, what, two movies at the same time? He was promoting G.I. Joe Retaliation, and he was promoting Fast 6, all while walking around with the belt. And, and, you know, that was a big push for the company, whether he acknowledged uh, WWE in every interview or not. He was he was always introduced as WWE champion, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, whatever the case is. So when he did the media tour for that, you know, it was huge. In Batista's case, if they were to put the belt on Batista at Mania, it's because they want to get that Marvel push. Because that's what WWE sure, likes. But I mean, likes. Rich, we also have to remember, he is not a rock. Like, he's nowhere oh, no, near he's the not. level of what the rock is. Yeah. And the argument, a lot of people argue, you know, and I agree with that. You shouldn't take the spot away from a guy that's been working the entire year. I agree. Yeah, but if you're the rock, you're on the automatic draw. You can do shit. You can just show up at ringside and you're still going to draw. Right. A guy like Batista does not have the leverage that a guy like The Rock or Austin has, or even Triple H. I don't even think he has that. How long was, well, how long was, would you consider Batista's number one, you know, the number one guy in the company run? A year and a half at that. And even when he was the top guy, he was still working with a John Cena, which is the obvious draw. He's the one filling the seat. This is well, yeah, and to piggyback on that, it becomes when The Rock did it, 
it was The Rock basically helping the WWE because The Rock has become that megastar that can draw fans back to the WWE. Right. If Batista would do it, it would be just be benefiting Batista. It wouldn't benefit the WWE. Well, no, it, it benefits would. Batista and what happened. It would. It would benefit. Yeah. It would benefit Batista. But what I'm saying is, WWE prides itself on its partnerships. So when The Rock was the champion and they got and and he was promoting those movies, you know it was. You know, Fast and Furious presents X pay-per-view. You know, if they can get Disney's Guardians of the Galaxy or Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy pre- present X pay-per-view, it's definitely going to look good from an investment standpoint. People are people are forgetting WWE holds all the coins right now because they've renegotiated their TV deals. All, the McMahon family stands to walk away billionaires and and solidifying partnerships with companies like Disney are tremendous right now. I mean, they got that one animated Scooby-Doo flick coming out, but imagine if they can get into bed with Marvel or Disney. Even if it's temporary. It's huge. It's a brand new market you touch. It is. And, and you know, it's, it's a weird time of professional wrestling. When you talk about a guy that's a draw, right? It's like a guy that sells tickets and a guy that sells seats. Over the last 30 years, you probably have five guys I mean, in 30 years, you have five guys that are legitimate draws. And right now, it's John Cena, obviously. Yep. I know Daniel Bryan is over, CM Punk is over, but they are not the ones selling the tickets. No. The one, the one that is selling the tickets is John Cena. That's the reality of it. And I know us uh, re, you know, um, hardcore wrestling fans don't like, to, don't like to accept that, but that's a reality. Yep. He's the guy that's selling the tickets at the house shows and at TV. Who is it before him? The Rock. Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, and Ric Flair. Those are the only guys that have legitimately drawn a national audience. Everybody else has had minor success compared to them, and they've had a following, but nobody's drawn at that level. Is Batista going to draw on that level at a WrestleMania match? I don't think so. He's not, but you know what it is? He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a Triple H guy. You know what I mean? Like Triple H is always going to try and look out for his boys, even if they give him a run of a month and then hot shot the belt to somebody else, it's, it, it can happen. It's the same thing with, with Brock getting a run. Brock will probably get a run because Vince loves, you know, he loves Brock Lesnar. He loves these big jack dudes. He'll, he'll co-sign to that. I mean, John Cena being champion is always going to be a no-brainer. So is, so is Randy Orton. And, and how long does he have, Rich? I mean, you're talking, John Cena's, what, 36, 37 now, so he has another five years probably. of being an active wrestler. And then after that, he'll do, you know, his one-ups and he'll do his returns. And he'll do Mania until he's about in his mid-50s. So you're talking about a guy that has another 20 years, potentially, of well, being in a, a draw for the company. Well, if he stays injury-free. Like this also, when I'm, you know? I, for, for the Royal Rumble this year, you know, everybody really boils down to the final four. The final four usually becomes the marquee for the rest of the year because that's where the buildup is at. I'm actually going to be looking at more likely the final six to eight because I think sure. that's where their launching pad is going to be at for this for this year and the following after. Because you know, look, we got a top. You know, we got some top tier going on. We got Punk coming in at one. That's already said, and I'm already guaranteeing he's going to be in there late. You know, Absolutely. And you got Daniel Bryan. You got the push that they're going for Roman Reigns. You got Batista who's already you know stirring up the coffee. I mean, and then who knows? Like you know, if they're going to still throw Brock in there for a match. Like you, we, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to be pushed out. 
So who's your final four? I mean, you mentioned a lot of the big names. So I think definitely CM Punk. I think definitely Roman Reigns. Yeah. I think definitely Batista. Who's yeah. the who's the fourth guy? I'm going to say that if they actually are able to, where they're going to spin it, that, that they'll actually give Brian that, that spot in the Royal Rumble after his match with Bray, he will get that four. Yeah, I mean, if, if they do that, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I would probably, Rich, who do you think who do you think's going to be the um, uh, who do you think's going to be the, the 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 special guys? You know, the the guys that come back. I think the the special guys we're going to get are possibly Jake the Snake. Um, I would not put it past them to do like a, a Piper running, and and this is crazy, but if you guys watched Impact tonight and they taped it. You know that Sting. You know that Sting lost his contract versus title match against Magnus. We all know that. That's not to say that Sting would be the guy that would run in there. But if they, if they, if you want to legitimately blow the roof off a building and and you hide it well, Sting coming in would be tremendous. Or not even. You, you wouldn't even have to put him in. But, you know, and these are rumors that we always get every year of for, for the whole thing. And I think they're looking even closer to do it. And plus, I don't think TNA has that same clause that WWE has with the sixty day or the ninety day holdout. They don't. Which, but you know, the end of impact. Can jump ship and be there tomorrow if you want. He'll do the Lex Luger thing. But you think about it. Even if they go in the Royal Rumble and let's say it's only twenty nine entrants and promote Sting and just show a video of him possibly being in it. The place would freaking explode. It would, but yeah, the thing thing is, they, they need Sting to put that DVD out. Yeah, they need they need they Sting want to put that the DVD they out. want that they want his career. They, you know, they they need to put that DVD out where they profile his entire career. And of course, in in WWE fashion and McMahon fashion, he came to the WWE to end his career because that's where you want to be. Well, everybody forgets that Sting was also a tag team partner of the Ultimate Warrior. They were the Blade Runners. And considering that the Ultimate Warrior is back in bed with the WWE, it's almost a no-brainer that the Ultimate Warrior may prove to be a negotiating tactic to get Sting to sign. Because think about it, if you do a new DVD about the Ultimate Warrior, you can share all that Blade Runner's footage with Sting. And maybe have Sting record some stuff for the, for commentary and involve Sting in the but process. Wouldn't that, go, wouldn't that go back to what we were speaking about last week in which, you know, you know, you know me, I'm already just, I'm still upset about the whole Macho Man thing still. But wouldn't that also be the thing where we were saying is that if Macho Man goes in while like Ultimate Warrior goes in, it kind of kills the luster of the Ultimate Warrior because the fans wanted Macho Man there first. Like, if Sting goes in, wouldn't it still kill the same luster from the Ultimate Warrior? No, because in Sting's case, and, and this is something people talk, people talk shit about Sting as a performer, I personally have to acknowledge that Sting is a ballsy guy because he held out. He didn't come to the WWE right away for the quick money. He didn't come to the WWE to let them tarnish his legacy. He he stood by whatever principles he had. And then finally, he's like, you know what? TNA's not doing shit. I think it's time to make that move. And he'll finish out his career where he should. And that's what I'm saying. Like If, if they said, hey, Sting is going to go into the Hall of Fame... Sting could go into the Hall of Fame, and he can get inducted by Warrior because Warrior was his tag team partner. Flair, how about Flair? Or Flair. And if you guys haven't seen, if you guys didn't see, sorry, but if you guys didn't see the TNA match tonight with Sting and Magnus, I could honestly say that that was probably the best match that Sting had in probably the last two or three years. 
Yep. Other than the match with AJ. Really well. Yep. Other than his match with AJ a couple of years back, which was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean. Hey, guys. I'm going to run. Go ahead, AZ. I'll catch you later. Thanks for calling in, bro. Hey, great show. And I uh, hope to see you on Sunday, man. You got it, brother. I will talk to you soon. I right, love you, guys. See ya. Later. All right. Well, you know, Jay, he, Andrew brings up a lot of points. I just want to go through Raw a little bit. I want to talk about the uh, the Shield and Biggie Langston taking on, uh, you know, the sh- well, the Shield taking on Biggie Langston and the Rhodes Brothers. couple of things I want to talk about. The match itself was pretty paint by numbers, but I want to talk about that Rollins curb stomp spot on Big E because that was probably some of the best selling and the best setup I've seen for that finisher because the the margin of error for that finisher is huge because if Biggie doesn't put his arm out, he's legit getting his face broke. Well, did you also see that as as well as that was a very impressive that went off. Del Rio attempted the same thing with a hanging Rey Mysterio in the turnbuckle. Right. And he almost botched that one. Yep. That one was almost that that was almost a disaster. But yeah, that um that move by Seth Rollins is very it, it, it's very trusting for the opponent to take because Absolutely. you know we've seen a lot of moves where it, it, something like that could be vicious. We've seen Loki's stomp from the top rope, which is amazing as well. Uh, and for Biggie to to be able to to to, to receive that and, and eat it was a, was spot on. And Seth is, is looking amazing match by match. Yeah, I was I was I was amazed at the fact. That big E, but this goes back to what we we've talked about with a lot of the younger guys just trusting each other more. It's like um, like John Cena letting CM Punk use the pod driver. You know what I mean? Like like this is that's that's incredible trust. Like Biggie's like, yo, let's go out there and steal the show. You know these guys. They said we're gonna go out there, we're gonna have an awesome match, and we're gonna do this spot. I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy shit, because I've never seen that done in such a fashion where it legitimately looks painful to watch. Like, it was an incredible sell job. Yeah, and, I, and it goes to show you also that, you know, the the powers that be are actually letting these guys work. I mean, the only time that you would really see a maneuver like that go over well is in the indies because, you know, they, they, you know it's go out there and let the show roll. And for them to allow them to go out there and trust them that they're going to put together that piece, was it's actually... It's actually decent for 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 WWE to let that go over. Yeah, I was I was I was very impressed. But then they did that that awesome match, and then they sucked the wind out of the crowd by jobbing out Xavier Woods to Fandango. Now I was bummed out because I said, "All right, all this all this hype for Xavier Woods, you bring him up, and you have him do the job." Like I really, I really didn't understand the logistics in that. Other than you know using it also as a way to to showcase Emma from NXT. But what what did they really accomplish in jobbing out Xavier Woods? What I'm seeing that what they what they're putting together is that they're they're trying to find. Well, like I said, the the art of jobbing with uh, uh, jobber wrestlers is lost. So now what they're doing now is they're trying to find where. They're putting wrestlers into these matches and trying to do this back and forth angle, but at the same time not making one look better than the other. Because look, they 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 really wanted to invest in putting Fandango in this spot ever since his, his 
2013, you know, breakout. You know, and and I and I think they still believe that he has that marquee capability. Mm-hmm. And believe me, Xavier Woods is going to have a couple of months where he's going to shine. You know, you, you don't have to worry too much about him. But at that moment, I think they still want to put that that light on Fandango a little bit more. They they do. I mean, I you know what the thing is. Looking at that match, you know, both of those guys are probably going to be in the Rumble as well. That's a no brainer. I just feel that um, you know. That in Xavier Woods' case, you have this guy. He's he's a guy that, and we've talked about this before. Oh, WWE needs to, a marketable African American star. Xavier Woods is that guy. You know, a guy a guy's on the verge of being a you know PhD. The guy is extremely well spoken. I mean, he's been on the show a few times. Not even in regards to that, but he's a guy you can kind of use for that. Big E also falls into that category, and to kind of just pull the pull the wind out of that out of that momentum. With with Fandango, who doesn't need the the jobber victories, it just it just boggles my mind. Like Fandango doesn't need to have a jobber match because the guy is over just by being over, just by being himself. Xavier Woods and I've talked about this before. Wins and losses matter to guys on the come up, and a loss like that for Xavier Woods really makes people look at the dude and be like, "Oh, this guy's a fucking jobber." Well, it's gonna be uh, well when. The aspect that they're spinning them now, because you know you're not quite sure if he's still look if he's going to be the singles competitor, or we still tying him with our truth. You know, they, they, you know it's that window that's still open for him. Yep. You know, the case uh, of how to really put him in that spot to, to 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 get the fans to really back him. But you know, with that, you were right with the whole you know getting that moving with you know getting our ethnic wrestlers out there, and I think. Your prayers are being answered because you're starting to see that tide starting to shift a little bit more. You spoke yep. about Big E, and then you, what you might be speaking about soon is what's happening with Kofi. Yeah, I mean the Kofi the Kofi victory on Randy Orton last week was was good. What I didn't like this week was that Kofi was played the part of the of the plot device, like him holding Randy Orton's foot. It's like what? What is this? A, 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 a Warner Brothers cartoon? Like, get the fuck out of here! Like, if wouldn't wouldn't somebody let let's put it like this? If somebody's holding your foot, the way Kofi was holding Randy Orton's, wouldn't you just stomp the shit out of him and leave? Like that looks yeah, that super cartoonish. That, that pretty much would have ended a, 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 pretty, a pretty much quick because we've seen how fast John Cena was running to the ring. Thank you. <laughs> it looks super cartoonish. <laughs> like I, you know what? What got me was, and you know. Guys, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but it, it, it's all part of the bigger picture. the The fact is, in in Kofi's case, he 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 came off that win on on Randy Orton. I said, "All right, cool. They're starting to put a little stock in Kingston," and I'm like, "They're probably putting stock in Kingston." So he does his awesome spot at the Rumble, and the crowd he has momentum going into the pay per view. You know, it's going to happen. Like I said, what I didn't like was him playing the equivalent of you know kickstand on a bicycle. For that angle, because that's what it was. He was he was the he was the, the the pole that held that angle together for Cena to run out there. And I'm like, really? That's that's what you did? Like, if I were, well, it, it's no different. It's no different than when I was like, you know, I when I'm watching WWE on demand, which unfortunately going to be cut, but shh, we got something coming next month. Um, there's no, it's no different from when you saw the guys do it for Hogan. I mean, I, I'm watching, you know, the old school stuff, and you know, yep. there was these spots in which Andre would come in, and you know, junkyard dog would run and help him, and, and it's like, it, it, it's 
everybody's Cena's friend, so everybody wants to help Cena. So even by him holding his leg for that little goofy spot, which you're right, it is a goofy spot, it pretty much ties together like this whole unification of, of everybody being, you know, a, a, a part of Cena's universe. Yeah, it was it was just weird because, like I said, I, I felt that in Kofi's case, he, he he they should have ran with that momentum. Like, it should have been that... Cena was coming out, Randy Orton gets distracted, Kofi gets another roll-up, Orton loses it, starts whooping Kofi's ass, then Cena makes the run-in. And that's it. It keeps Kofi strong, but also makes it a f- another fluke, and it makes it seem like Randy Orton's distracted by Cena and, and, his, and his beef with Cena, and it kind of it takes everything back full circle to the promo Triple H cut on Randy Orton where he wasn't on top of his game. Same rules apply here. Well, you, you know already the the, the uh, internet wrestling community would have bodied that 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 finish if, if Kofi would have gotten the roll up. But with that, I was even more surprised that he actually rang the bell and called the disqualification. Yep. Because my look was Cena does no wrong, so who's calling the disqualification on that one? Yeah, that was that that was actually that was actually very well done. I mean. <laughs> There's a, there were a lot of high points and a lot of low points. I mean, I, I want to backtrack a little bit because I want to talk about the, the the pretty solid match between Billy Gunn and CM Punk. Number one, Billy Gunn can still go. Number two, Road Dog on commentary is fantastic. The, the, the guy definitely can do color commentary on any of those shows in the near future if they decide to do that. But Billy Gunn, for, for, for an older guy, uh, he's always been a steady hand in the ring, but... He he looked he looked good at home. He looked at home in there with Punk. And you guys, you know, everybody needs to remember that Billy has like he's gone through like almost every gimmick that you could even possibly imagine. That's right. And has been in the ring with I mean tons of tons of big names and from you know the main rosters to the indie even in the indie scene that he was you know he was in in the past couple of years. The the man has always been go time, you know, yep. and it's always been that 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 dude that you know, we we're seeing this with a lot of our older wrestlers as well. Goldust is the, he must have been like the inspiration because Absolutely. you know these guys are coming in the ring and looking like they've never you know, they, like they have any rust. Nope, no rust whatsoever. I do want to say though that the one blemish on this week's Raw was that they waited until pretty much halfway through the show to acknowledge Mae Young's passing. And I was a little bummed about that because, you know, you, you open up with the with the trademark um, WWE production piece for Martin Luther King, which is fine. But right after you did that, you should have done the May Young tribute. It, it you know that the, the the lady took a fucking power bomb from Bubba Ray Dudley through a fucking table. You put that video package at the start of the show. I don't give a fuck, you know. Well, I'm not sure, and I don't know if anybody in the chat room will remember it or not, Because, but my wife had made a reference to it to me while we were watching it, and she goes, wow, May got a nice little package going on there. Then when Moolah died, they just showed her picture, and that was it? No, Moolah uh, got a good package, a uh, good video package, too. I just felt, and it was funny because JR kind of alluded to this in his blog. It was like the way that it was just covered. Like, don't get me wrong, like Vince and everybody sharing stuff and social media. That's that's the beauty of of social media now. Social media, you can put up a picture and put rest in peace, 
and it automatically conveys the emotion that you give a shit. Let's let's not kid ourselves. I know plenty of people that like when Paul Walker died. You see people, oh Paul Walker, rest in peace. You don't give a fuck that Paul Walker's dead. You don't give a shit. You know. <laughs> Come on, let's not kid ourselves. Right. Everybody becomes the you know the the arbiter of the martyring, and they help yeah. the martyr the like, martyr across the field. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, listen, scumbag. If you're gonna be a scumbag, be a scumbag all the time. And that's what I'm saying. Like, listen. Paul Walker died. Okay. Drove too fast. Became, you know, a fucking briquette. And he's dead. You know, I'm sad that he died. Nobody should die like that. But, you know, putting up a picture, hashtag RIP, to, to show the world that I'm, that I'm aware of what's going on. It's just, it's just stupid. It's just fucking stupid. It's the same thing like when people are on Facebook and they put, oh, my goldfish died. And somebody clicks like. It's like... Why would why would you care? Why would you click like like hey, I read this. I just want to let you know that I read that your goldfish died and I'm sad for you. You know, like that like that's the kind of shit that kills me. Like like social media has made it that everybody's a part of something. Like rest in rest in peace Goldie Dust. Yeah, you know, like like like, like let's use a, a a rip from the headlines for a second. Justin Bieber getting arrested. Justin Bieber getting arrested led to 50,000 people that I knew sharing his mugshot. And it's like, okay, great. By the way, he looked dreamy, okay? I yeah. don't want anybody saying anything different. He looked dreamy in those photos. There you go. Dude, dude, took, the, the, <laughs> dude took a GQ cover, cover shot. But what I'm saying is that <laughs> all of a sudden, everybody knows the news. Everybody knows the news. I bet you if you ask them what they know about universal health care, they give you a fucking question mark. You know, but I'm just, but, but that's what I'm saying. So like the passing of May Young was exactly that Vince McMahon, he's sharing pictures and stuff. It's like Vince McMahon doesn't fucking use Twitter. Damn it. You're going to write this tweet for me. Damn it. He has some schmo writing it. He probably has like Triple H and Stephanie's kid writing the tweet for him. I don't know how to do this. Put this picture here. You know? send mean? I don't understand this. Exactly. What is a hashtag? It looks like the number sign. You know, like, like, come on, dude. Like, but that's what I'm saying. So everybody, everybody feels. Can you that post this on the twatter? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the twatter. Post this on the twatter. Hashtag. Can I use the hashtag young no more for May Young's passing? Can I use young no more for her passing? No, Vince. No, you can't do that. How about the young and the no longer restless? No, Vince, you can't do that. Like, that's the kind of shit I see Vince doing. So him sharing pictures and shit, like, like come on. And, and that's what got me. Like, like they shared this video package at, like, 930. I'm like, I'm like, damn, you know? The lady, the lady, you know, the lady was a part of your company for the fucking years. Years. I think she had her first match in front of the Last Supper. You know, it's like, it's like, yo... <laughs> You know, like, 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 she, like, she, part of the fucking business, dude. You wait till nine forty for the fucking video package. Come on. Uh, I laugh also because Val puts in the chat room that the one day out of the year that Vince isn't racist. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, hey, bullshit. I, 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 he has that. He, he always has that in his deck. That one MLK video package. Dude, the one year that Vince isn't racist. Yet, yet first you made Big E Langston fucking eat a curb stomp like he lost in brutal fashion, 
And you let Kofi Kingston play the equivalent of Spanky and the Little Rascals holding the ankle of the bully for Alfalfa to poke him in the eyes. What was that, the American History X reference with the curb stomp? Yeah, dude, like, come on, man. Like, like you, didn't, you couldn't even let a black guy go over. Like, Xavier Woods got jobbed the fuck out. Come on. Uh, you know what? Now that you mention it, yeah, there was the fall of the black men that day. There you go. <laughs> it's true. What black dude went over on Raw on Martin Luther King Day? They're like... Well, did uh, the, 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 the Dactyls win? I believe they did. Yeah, Naomi won, but come on, man. Nobody acknowledges that she's black. She's Samoan by injection. <laughs> by injection. She's Samoan <laughs> by meat injection. Don't even count, man. Come on. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like it's like, hey, Vince, you know, I think I think uh, Big E should go over, you know, being Martin Luther King and all. Damn it. All the black guys got to lose. You know, it's like, but, but, but Vince, you know, don't you think that paints things in a negative stereotype? No, I want you to go and send our truth out with a bucket of chicken when he takes Xavier Woods out to the ring. But but Vince, we can't do that. Damn it. Send the chicken out there. You know, it's like, you know. It, we gotta give a little, and then we have to take more away. That's it. It, it, it was. It, that's what I mean. Like it's Martin Luther King Day. No black guys went over, and no, well, no African Americans. For anybody that thinks that fucking you know me saying black guys is offensive, because you know people are fucking soft ass pillow bottoms. But seriously, not nothing good came out of that. It was May Young getting getting jobbed out in the video package, and every African American wrestler catching an ass whooping, and then to boot. Rey Mysterio got jobbed out to Alberto Del Rio, who in turn got jobbed out to, you know, I walk a thousand miles in a pit of tight pants. You know? And it was it was it was the progression in which we were all seeing this unfold where at the end everybody just went, What just happened here? <laughs> Dude, it's it, it's like I'd walk alone too if my nuts were that fucking snug. <laughs> it was. I'm like, yo, come on! He couldn't even. He couldn't even Batista bomb him right because I thought he. I thought he was gonna kill himself. Listen, that man shops in the women's section because you know that that size is like, like in the 12 or the 14 range. There's nothing in the high or, or mid 30s for his jean size. Yeah, fuck that, dude. It's like it's like it's like I wear a size 38, and if I gotta get the pants fucking slim fit, I gotta wear a 40 because my fucking legs are too big. It's it's it's. He's going to the women's section and HMV. I'm telling you, I'm calling it out now. Well, you know what? You know what's funny? The dude comes out, and like I said, the dude well dressed as fuck comes out, kills Del Rio, super dead, like super dead. He hugs, you know, he hugs um, uh, Donaire, the boxer, the Filipino boxer, and um, he walks out like it was like I came in, I power bombed, and I left. Might go in the back and bag bag a diva or two. You know, Batista walked back and said, all right, which one of you ladies is single tonight? You know, that's what he did. Come on, yeah, Batista. He's like, listen, little Batista got work to do. That's it. He walked back there and said, all right, uh, it's been a while since I've been here. Who do we got? Who's single? Who can we pass around? You know, come on. I heard that Oksana's up for a good game. There you go. Shit. Shit. Supposedly they're going to put her in total diva, so you never know. She may be uh, sacrificed to... She She may get a different kind of Batista bomb. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The sacrificial lamb. That's it. Speak, speaking of uh, the total divas, uh, AJ and Tamina took on the Funkadactyls, in which was pretty much uh, the Naomi show, because clearly they're going to make Naomi challenge for the belt. But 
I will say that the highlight and the actual usefulness of that match was uh, the Bad News Brown, the Bad News Brown, the Bad News Barrett promo on AJ. Holy shit. Was that the most perfect use of Bad News Barrett? I think that was probably the most opportune time to put somebody in that wheelhouse and to yep. destroy them. And oh. I mean, even afterwards, that how they played it off and how she played it off, you know, with the whole sad sack and such like that. I'm hoping that they're not going to use this as a as a as a turn because I'm actually enjoy the heel AJ more, but he buried her trademark. But you know what? You know what the problem is too. Every there, there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation backstage, and it's been reported on numerous wrestling websites that nobody likes AJ for whatever reason. Like people don't like her. They feel you know she's the village bicycle. Uh, you know she dates CM Punk. Whatever the case, whatever the case is, they don't like her. So I feel that in in that in that instance, Bad News Barrett's promo was pretty much the equivalent of how the locker room felt. Yeah, he pretty much gave his his own pipe bomb without even like yep. letting it be known. It was underlined. Yeah, it was it was it was crazy the way they did it, and it was so weird that like I said, they would share that. They'd be like, "Oh, AJ is the the, uh, the has the longest divas title reign," and then it's like, "Oh, by the way, everybody hates you." Like you know what I'm saying? Like that should be a bigger deal. And it wasn't. It was like, "Oh yeah, AJ's the record breaking divas title has a record breaking divas title reign." And it's like, it's like, I got some bad news. I was like, oh, and, shit. And when he jumped up, when he came out of, you know, I mean, he, he literally came out of nowhere because I, I didn't expect it. I thought it was going to be the whole hokey, the cake goes into uh, Josh Matthews' face or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, something like But when he came out, it was just pure gold and perfect timing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was tremendous. I mean, like I said, it's going to be, they they already are grooming Naomi for the run to try and take the belt from AJ, which is fine. I mean, Cameron Cameron's ring work is just that like like you you can oh, see it's god awful yeah, yeah it's Na- god like awful. Naomi's doing the the cover the cover for that entire tag team match. You know, it was it definitely it definitely was a better it was a better outing for 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 Cameron, but this this was this was the Naomi party. You know, my six year old, my six year old daughter was playing with the Cameron doll today in the ring and she had better ring work than the real camera. It was it was it was crazy. I mean, you know, and, and then it was funny that they followed up with the Usos uh, taking on uh, Harper and Rowan, which, um, again, these guys have great chemistry. But Harper and Rowan are falling into what I've said about the, you know, the got the wins and losses like you bring the Wyatts in there. These this unstoppable force, these badass fucking dudes. And it's like, it's always some, some sort of shenanigans. Like the Usos won with a roll up. It's like, I have enough faith in the Usos where a splash off the top rope would get them a fucking victory. You know? But I think what, what we're all expecting is like for the two trains on the track to go head on, which is, you know, the shield versus the Wyatt family. And, you know, they don't really have to worry about turning anybody face or here because the, both these guys, both these teams are, are just fan favorites regardless. And I, I think that momentum is, is – is, is, we're going to see it, but 
I think more along the lines where you might want to see it sooner than later because it'll just be dragged out, you know, and and hopefully they'll they'll get it done real soon. Well, I do I do want to mention, you know, to, to circle back to the to the main event to close it out the. Randy Orton driving, getting driven away or carjacking somebody, whatever the case is, that entire that entire chain of events was ruined by the announce team because they're like, my God, Randy Orton just carjacked somebody. And it's like from the passenger seat. Like it was funny because I think JBL said it. Michael Cole's like really from the passenger seat. And then JBL's like, fuck, I just came off like an asshole. Maybe the it was a it was a car. It was an English car where the steering was on the right. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck did you just say? That was quick though. That it, was good to cover it. It was, it was quick, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, dude, there was no necessity for that because it's like Randy Orton's carjacking somebody. It's like let's get, let me get something straight. Who is gonna stop for a large, tattooed, oily guy in spandex underwear on the street when it's like twenty degrees outside? Nobody. Somebody with a kink, a kinky fetish. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Mister C from Hot 97, maybe, but. <laughs> You know, it, it, come on. What, what, a, what a reference. Come on. nobody. No, it's like, and the announce team, just they, they had nothing. They had nothing for that. It's like, oh, my God, Randy Orton just jumped. He just jumped in a car. He just, it's like, yeah, maybe he had somebody helping him out. Like, you can do an angle with who, who was the driver when Randy Orton got away from John Cena. You know, like you could right. That, that's what that's what I was thinking about. Like, if that's going to be a tie into something else or whatever the case may be. But the end just left. The, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen an end like that for a, for for Raw in like years. And it just was like open ended that way, and everybody was just looking at each other. And go, all right, that's a wrap. Yeah, like it was flat. Like John Cena comes in, and you see the planted crowd that was getting ready to leave. They're cheering. Like you know, when they did that at the last match, people were getting ready to go home, and they're like, wait, wait, wait. You know, because because that entire area when Cena walked out was full of fucking people trying to beat traffic, and I guarantee you they were like, "Yo, y'all gotta stick around because we're gonna do some shit up here," and everybody's like, "Oh, okay," because dude, when the fuck is it ever that full up there? Unless you're leaving, you know. That's how you knew it was. I'm like, ah, it was. It I, it just felt very flat, you know. Hey, that could have at least been. A, remember, we're going into one of the top four major pay per views for them, so that that role had to have a strong finish. I think we're probably going to get a stronger finish out of SmackDown, based on what I've read. SmackDown uh, has right, a better so finish. Good. Then there's something. There's something. There's something brewing then. Yeah, there's something brewing, but it's like, isn't Raw the flagship show? It ends with you know pretty much Randy Orton sticking his leg out and hitchhiking. Hey, sailor, where you going? <laughs> Hey, hey, look at this quad. Look at this giant hey, ham sandwich. in your pocket or are you happy to see me? Seriously. It, it, it's, like, it's like Randy Orton put his leg out like in, the, like in the cartoons when the chick would put her leg out and pull up her dress and it'd be a super attractive gam and like a wolf pulls over. <laughs> That's who was driving the car, the wolf from those Tex Avery cartoons. He saw Randy Orton's, Randy Orton's leg and he had to pull over. Hey there, sailor, you're going my way. Exactly. Fucking! I was like, "Wow, really? That's how you end the show right before the Rumble?" I was like, "Oh, fuck you!" But um, like Andrew said, uh, Batista's tight pants got a uh, got a higher rating, um, three point four. Uh, Nielsen, it was uh, up from three point twelve, three point one two last week, was three point four six this week. Um, definitely a huge increase. It was uh, an increase in the eighteen to forty nine demographic. 
uh, you know, it was it was huge. Four million people tuned in um, to watch it. So that, that's that's an that's an eleven percent increase. And by the way, as tight as his pants were, I can tell you right now, he waxes, not shaves. Probably does, probably. dude. Batista is one of the, probably the most metro old motherfuckers I know. Like, like, like you know, like you look at him, you know, he walks in. The little Asian lady knows his name. Oh, hello, Dave. What'd you want? Uh, number two? You want number two? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two's good. Oh, would you like uh, you pomegranate, the, pomegranate scrub? You want the Filipino delight? Oh, God. exactly. You know he goes to, you know, a place where he could probably speak some Tagalog and get a little extra. Yeah, you know the deal. But but seriously, it was, you know, it was, it was a good, it was a good rating for Raw. Um, they did, they did very well. And uh, I was, you know, it, this is this is good going into the Rumble, and they got to ride this wave of momentum until February 24th when the network drops. So definitely very huge. Um, of course, the the specter of, the specter of Sting is 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 there, and we we've talked about this last year. We talk about it this year. We're talking about it this year. But it's like you watched Impact. You saw how that shit ended. It's like contract versus career. Sting loses, and. Two things can happen. If they re-sign Sting, Sting is going to be the mystery investor. Because that's the kind of dumb shit they would do. And um, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that's what I was saying. Like, every year we get this whole, you know, around this time they start shaking the tree and everybody starts whispering, is Sting coming? Is Sting? I remember the same thing happened and it was like The Undertaker was the one that was coming back and everybody was right. thinking, oh, no, that's Sting. And, and, and I, 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 really, I really would want... To be like this would be the last time that I that I would say that I want him to come back because if it doesn't really happen this year, I'm really not gonna give a shit well, anymore. Here's here's a, here's a couple of things. Every every ten every ten years of WrestleMania, um, you know that we probably get some of the most legendary fucking moments. Like WrestleMania 20, you go back, you're like, wow, a lot of awesome shit happened at WrestleMania 20. You know, so at WrestleMania 30. Firstly, I was I was bummed out that WrestleMania 30 wasn't at the Garden because 10, 20 have been at the Garden. 30 should have been there, but whatever. Definitely. It should Definitely. have been whatever the case is. They would have had an awesome New York crowd for that. But what I'm looking at is the fact that in Sting's case, there's nothing left for him in TNA. Like like this is probably the most the the the, the most fertile rumor in quite some time considering that there's nothing left for TNA to offer him. Yeah, Spike TV could toss Sting another contract, but from a competitive standpoint, what is Sting going to do? Have matches with EC3, you know, Mr. Anderson, Bully, you know, the the same shit. What's he going to do? Put over EC3? There's nothing else for him to prove. So this is perfect territory to bring him in. And like I said, the Ultimate Warrior can, can be a factor in that because of their previous relationship. I think Sting's whole mantra is like he's still with this, you know, I don't want to work for the devil type nonsense. Oh, yeah. He's and a, like, he's a whole must roller. not, and it must be, must be like allergic to money because you know the shitload of money that they're going to throw in. I oh, mean, yeah. and that's not even including the merch, you know, the, 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 the tags he's going to get off even for the DVD. So, I mean, that's retirement legitimate money. You can go, he's going to probably even be able to really be the mystery owner of TNA if he could get it done. Well, you know? 
on but top I of the think fact, he's just still with that whole idea that he just can't work for Vince or anybody associated with him. Oh yeah, he he probably is of that mindset. But like like one thing we have to take into account is that you know, to, uh, cliched as it is, everybody has a price, and in Sting's case, the WWE Network is a bigger carrot. Because think about it, you you go into the Hall of Fame, you sign a Legends contract, you make money from action figures, you make money from t-shirts, your likeness rights in every wrestling game forever is it like I mean, it's it's for, it's fertile territory for for Sting right now. It's it's a no brainer. I don't get it. I, I, I don't know. It, it, to me. Um, if he doesn't cash in now, or even consider any talks to happen, I don't think WWE is going to really care anymore. I really don't. I mean, although they would like to see the money, and they'll probably find a way to do it without him, but I, I, I really don't see it. I think it's not done now. I think the cash grab would be if they could not only get him in, maybe put him in the Hall of Fame, or if you wanted to, you can get Sting in, not put him in the Hall of Fame, and have the icon challenge the streak. Well, that could be that. And that's, that's I think, what, what it all is going to boil down to or run down to because that's pretty much would be the the, the marquee. Because yep. we got to think about it like this with a WrestleMania now. Um, what would be that match? You yep. know, unless... Cena is taking the belt at, at Rumble or at Elimination Chamber. Like, right. who else besides the Undertaker and anybody he fights is going to be that match at WrestleMania at this at this moment? That's exactly it. I mean, when you when you look at it, you're really looking at the standpoint of in the Undertaker's case. Say he wants to work with Daniel Bryan. Okay, let's let's toss that out there. Daniel Bryan, Undertaker. What kind of a buzz are people going to really care about when you can look at that match from a mile away and know that Taker is going over? You see what I'm saying? Like, if you say Taker and Sting, you go, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. Like, would Taker be willing to put Sting over? Maybe they can start a streak with Sting. That would be insane, but you never know. And can you imagine the, I mean, the goal it would be that if it was that Taker actually said, I want to put Brian over, like, the men who fought him in the past will look and say, what? Shawn Michaels would be the first one to throw himself out of off a window, oh, yeah, uh, he, out of a window. Oh, he probably would, but you know what it is? The Undertaker is at a, at a stage in his career where even if creative says, yeah, we don't want to put that guy over, the Undertaker can be like, then you got no match. Like, he's got that kind of, of pull in the company that he can legitimately turn around and go, yo, check this out. I want to put this guy over. And they'll be like, but yeah, not that guy. They'll be like that guy or, or you don't get a match. But it was rumored that they, he wanted it that way with punk also last year, but you know, they, they, they put the kibosh cause it was, it was as though like if he would have done that, he would have been spitting in the face of the guys, predecessor, the predecessors before. So I, like, at this point right now, it's more along the line where it's unless it's going to be a name or a competitor like Sting, that he's going to retire with that undefeated streak. I I will say this if and and I've said this on numerous broadcasts if the Undertaker were to re- retire with the streak intact, then they should start a new streak with Kane. They owe him that as a company guy. Yeah, you know. 
Which like, brings me, which brings me up to well, what we were talking about, how we're doing raw. What's your take on the whole Kane, uh, corporate Kane, and you know his balancing out? Because now it looks like he's having his hand in the cookie jar more than anything. You I, know, with, with his involvement with, with with Ryan and the CM Punk. What's your take on it? I think I think the Kane situation is gonna gonna pretty much evolve into um, Kane being excommunicated from the Authority. You know, absolute power corrupts, and Kane will in turn unleash vengeance on the authority. Like, like that's where it's going to go. It's going to lead to Kane kind of being set up by Brad Maddox. He gets kicked out of the authority. He he wiles out, and it's it's kind of Kane, Kane and and Daniel Bryan and CM Punk against the authority. Yeah, because I see, I see that you know the camera work and stuff that they they keep you know. Putting a nice little focus on the the trophy max that's yep. still there, and you know, I, I I and in a way the authority is like you know working both sides of the fence. And yep. you know, yeah, it, it seems like it, it can work where Kane is, is just going to be that that guy that's going to stir the coffee up and then become the one like you said, be excommunicated and becomes like this rebellious one. Well, you know what it is. I'm looking at Kane's booking similar to how they did Joseph Park with Abyss. Where it was like Joseph Park is abyss. It's like you can put a monster in a suit and he'll still be a monster. Right. Because the the shades of that. By are the thick. way, I was I was much pleased to see that abyss came back tonight. Oh yep. God, I was so tired of that Joseph Park's crap. Yeah, well, you know what it was. The angle went a lot longer than I expected. Like for the final reveal that oh, you know, Joseph Park is abyss. Like they it went on, it, dude. That that angle went on for like two years. It's like two yeah, years was, of that fucking like, angle. It was like three. It was like a, a year and a half longer than it should have. Exactly. Speaking uh, speaking of that, I did want to I did want to talk about uh, something. It, it it kind of in line with with that with the you know with what's going on with Joseph Park and Abyss and and Kane and Corporate Kane. It's the fact that WWE is not doing their part to create another monster. Another guy who, like, remember when they brought in um, Mordecai? He was supposed to take over for The Undertaker. Then he switched to the vamp to the Kevin Thorne vampire gimmick. And then they were going to go with that and kind of start bro- grooming him as your next big monster. Where do, where do, you, where do you feel WWE is going to go when The Undertaker retires? Because, you know, Val, Val said in the chat, Kane's getting a little long in the tooth. And it's like, all right, yeah, Kane, Kane isn't getting any younger. But they haven't created a legitimate monster. Like one dude who it's like, holy shit, that guy, that guy is the guy. That guy's the, the guy who's consistently going to go out there and just demolish people. They haven't done it. Well, it's, 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 it's depending on, like, what they're going to want with the monster aspect. Because if you want that big, towering menace, it's going to be, you know, they, they're going to have to look real hard and deep for it, and it's really hard to get a guy nowadays who's actually going to wrestle and look good and move around right. and be that physical powerhouse. I mean, in NXT, they got um, Alexander Rusev, and that guy's a monster. Like, he goes into that ring in NXT like, and puts in the work. He's agile. He's fierce. Like, he, he looks like a, a present, but he doesn't have that cane, right. you know, abyss size. So it's, it's going to be hard. They're going to they, they're going to have to look long and deep to find somebody because it's not going to be done in house. I thought it was going to be Leo Kruger because his gimmick was scary as shit, dude. 
Yeah, and they put in the kibosh on him quick because if anybody hasn't watched it, he he got into a match with Sami Zayn and woof was that done quickly. Yep, I was like, oh, Leo Kruger looks like he's going to be that guy, that monster. Then I thought it would have been Matt Morgan, but Matt Morgan retired. You know, because Matt Morgan is big, agile, pretty decent on the mic. I would have thought that he would have been that guy that you could start grooming as like the big towering force. Because we sure as fuck know it's not the great Kali. We know it's not the big, the great big zombie. We know it's not him. And the big show, the big show's longevity. I probably could see the big show retiring within the next three years. And Mark Henry, I don't oh, know. Yeah, I, you know. Yeah, I like. I, like I said, you know, you, you want that. That and what we're looking at is, do we want that guy that he comes out on the screen and children run away from the yep. TV? Because that's not a monster that they have anymore. Nope. You know, when Kane, I mean, Kane does it, he puts the mask on, whatever. It's still a little bit, but it's still gimmicky by now. But we don't have that anymore. Like we don't have like that. That that. T- and but they, and even so, and then I see they have the Ascension, who still have like that terrorizing look. Right. But they're not the monsters that you want, you know. They're they're missing that. One guy who I felt, and and I'm bringing this guy up, was that, and and they had high hopes for him. I don't know where it went wrong. Was um, do you remember Rosie from Three Minute Warning? Yeah, he was. You know, I'm actually talking about him. Number one because he's actually Roman Reigns' older brother. But I wanted to talk about it this week because he actually was hospitalized. Because he has a condition called atrial uh, fibrillation, which causes uh, the early stages of congestive heart failure. He was hospitalized for an enlarged heart that was functioning at only 25%. They drained 62 pounds of fluid from his body. And they were hoping to drain another 30 pounds within the next couple of weeks. Like, that was a guy... Rosie was a guy, much much like Umaga, you know, the late Umaga, that you were looking at guys that you, those guys were like, holy shit, those guys are fucking monsters. It's like there's nobody left that you can book that way. Because like, like I said, Umaga yeah. passed away. Mark Henry, Mark Henry probably got another year or two before he retires. Big Show's lost any, you know, any legitimate credibility. Brock Lesnar's probably your only other big monster guy, but he has, you know, a contract where he competes once every three months, you know? Man, the thing that, you know, that they had going was with, you know, the Wyatt, and like you said, now they're putting him in that weird bracket where they can lose a match. Yep. I mean, if you just put him as a, a team that was steamrolling, then that would be your monster powerhouse there. Yep. But, you know, you put them in that weird spot. Well, that's what I used to feel about the three-minute warning, you know, hearing that Rosie is sick is messed up, you know, and it's and it's unfortunate. Hopefully he doesn't, you know, nothing nothing serious happens to him. But think about it. When the three-minute warning was out and that siren went off, that was it. It was, it, was, it was death. It was imminent destruction. Then, obviously, when they broke him up and Rosie left and Umaga came out, you know when Umaga came out, that was it, dude. As soon as that music hit and, you know, listen... To me, and you know, Armando Estrada came out. Umaga just fucking wild out. That that that's what we don't have. That we don't have that that yeah. scary dude anymore. It just doesn't happen. Well, uh, and you know, I, and like I said, they they're gonna might they they might have to look outside the box for it because uh, they're not gonna really have it now. They, they I don't really see, and they like to put the kibosh on it early on it too because. You know, we we remember with Vladimir Kozlov, like when oh, he came yeah. out, 
and he was, you know, just crushing guys, you know, squashing guys in less than a minute, and all this stuff. And it was saying, oh my God, this this guy's a Russian machine. And all of a sudden, he gets to a match with Triple H, and poof, done, over with. Yep. And it was funny because Kozlov. Now he becomes a now he becomes a, a hokey gimmick with Santino. Yep. They were they were booking Kozlov because they were trying to create a version of Fedor. At the time, because you know Fedor was the was the big thing at the time, and that's that's the problem. WWE they take that they see this stuff and they're like, oh, well, we're going to create our own version, our wrestling version of this guy, and that's what happens. Like Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar is also the WWE's interpretation of what a mixed martial artist is. You know, like yeah, and, and, and and you don't have him defeat with Brock now. You don't you don't defeat his work. Of what's happening now because he's going head on with Big Show. That's the kind of guy who should be throwing him around. Right. You know, you don't put him in a match with Santino and then Santino pulls a win out of him. Like that's what they were. That's what they based how they put the kibosh on things. That that's right. But um, one thing one thing I I, I did want to go into before we uh, talk uh, about our picks for the Rumble. Uh, Bella Twins talking about wanting WWE Divas Tag Team Titles first. The Divas belt as it is, is never defended. Now you want tag team titles? They were like, you know, the girls gang up on girls, it's life. We sit down, we gossip, we group together naturally. Why not bring a little bit more of that aspect to WWE? And it's like, your Divas roster's like 12 chicks. What are you doing? <laughs> well, the point, well, I, the, the only reasonable point I see with it is because you put them all in these matches, and these matches make no sense, and they're all gimmick matches, uh, Diva Elves and Santa matches, uh, uh, summertime bikini match. Like, you put them in these matches, and they have no substance. At least if you put them in a, in a, in a you know, some type of tag team belt in there, it gets four Divas in a ring, putting on, you know, some type of, of match, and it's some type of substance to it. And then, you know, maybe you throw a single, you know, Divas belt match in it. So now you have six girls who's working constantly. And then get them carried over to main event, going for number one contendership for belts, whatever. And you're right. The roster is small for them. Right. But at least it gives them something to work for. Right. It does. But you know what the thing is? That TNA tried it with the knockouts belts, and they fucking failed miserably. Because what happened was any factions that they had, like the beautiful people or any of that, were, were, were shoo-ins to get those belts. The Bellas, let, let's not kid ourselves, the Bellas want tag team belts because they want belts. Like, it's not for the, it's not for the divas, it's for them. You get what I'm saying? Like, oh, of course. Not, like, you're not sitting there, like, talking about it for the greater good. You're talking about it because, hey, like, hey, we're twins, and one of us being divas champion, yeah, it's cool and all, but if we can both be champ, you know what I mean? Like, like you could, like as 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 good as their intentions seemed, I knew that I'm like y'all are just fucking looking for the 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 way to have belts on both of you. No, and two parts of that is yeah, it'll be great they introduce the belts and they never give them the straps. That'll be fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah, but... and then secondly, you brought about the the TNA Knockouts Tag Team belts. Their Ross, their Knockouts roster was half of the the, the Divas. So. There was no rotation going on with those belts. They only had like six girls in there. Dude, the belts were retired with Eric Young and ODB as champions. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying, dude. It's, it's it's a fucking tragedy. It's a tragedy. But that's what I'm saying. Like the Bellas, it's like, yeah, you know, you guys, you guys want to have 
tag team belts, but it's like it's purely for selfish reasons. Don't fucking front. Yeah, it's not like when Cody brought back the classic Intercontinental yeah, exactly. because he did it for the better good. Yeah, there's more like, well, we want to look pretty with a belt too. Exactly. What are you gonna get? Two butterfly fucking belts? Maybe you should make butterfly penny belts uh, like the tag belts. Oh. Uh, well. To, I hate that belt. Yeah, the penny belts are they just not. My the daughter doesn't even want that belt. She's like, I know that's all right, Daddy. You don't have to buy that for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 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 a really ugly looking belt. But um, I wanted to just go through the Rumble matches, kind of give our thoughts on it. Um, first up, there the tag team title match between the Rhodes brothers and the New Age Outlaws is supposed to be um, a pay per view opener match. A uh, couple of things. First, I I gotta say that. If they were to drop the belts to the Outlaws, it's not a bad idea. The only problem is you can't keep the belts on the Outlaws too long. What I would probably do is um, miscommunication between Cody and Goldust. They lose the belts. The Outlaws get the belts. Cody and Goldust kind of start getting frustrated with each other, which leads to the Goldust-Cody match at Mania. Yeah, that that's gonna that's probably gonna roll, or work for um, that leading, and which will probably open the door even more for the Usos to get the belt off the New Age Outlaws. So right. yeah, that, that 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 seems that seems to be the more logical work angle for that one. Uh, the other match, of course, Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. Of course, um, Harper and Rowan are supposed to be in the Rumble match. I I definitely think Bryan is probably going to get the upper hand, but I think that if, if, if Bray Wyatt were to lose, it would kind of hurt his gimmick at this point because Brian kind of got the upper hand in the cage. So you want Wyatt to get the win back. I, I think uh, Brian gets it, but what they'll do is uh, after he go, he goes over, it becomes frustrating to Bray and he puts the work on Brian after the match, which will make him look weaker in the Royal Rumble, but still gets him in the final four slot. Okay, I could see that. I mean, like I said, if if Wyatt loses this match, it's going to definitely hurt him only because, and and this is something we talked about, Daniel Bryan pretty much took it to the Wyatt family from within, which every time I talked about it over the last couple of weeks, a lot of people were like, nah, man, that, that would involve WWE being too creative. And, and I even said that to a degree. But that's what happened. Brian went into the Wyatt family and kind of, you know, disrupted them from the way from from the inside. Now, if you're going to do that, you kind of want Wyatt to get Bray Wyatt to get in the upper hand because he's the guy you allegedly want to build as your next guy, you know? But, but geez, they went through that real quick. Yep. I mean, I I, I I wasn't too happy about it, but they went through that real quick. They could have done yeah, another so, month uh, or two. Definitely could have done another month or two. Yeah. Or at least, you know, because, you know, you still had the elimination chamber, which it could have gotten real hectic in that one. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, I, 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 I see Brian going in. He'll go, you know, damage. You've probably seen with the wraps around the ribs and stuff like that yep. into the Royal Rumble, but, you know, finishing the top four. And, you know, it, still, it still leaves him on top. Everybody still be over for him. Well, I'll tell you what. If they did the elimination chamber... I would put Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt in that match. Oh, definitely. Because that, that that would and you have them you have them started. Yep, 
that would that would really stretch out that angle. It would kind of tease like, oh shit, can Bray Wyatt be that guy? I would put Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt, uh, and, and then to fuck with people, I would put in CM Punk and The Shield. Wow, that's scary. Think about it. That's scary. Because think about it. You have a way to get Reigns over in another setting. Not only that, but you have guys that are going to do awesome fucking spots. Because you know Seth Rollins is going to try and do like a diving knee stomp off the top of the fucking the, 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 uh, the Elimination Chamber cells. But let me ask you, what's your impression about the whole unification? Do you think they're going to split those belts soon? Because it seems... It doesn't seem like they're they're really confident that having those two belts together still is working. I think I think that they're going to they're going to unify the IC and US titles. Um, whether they do it at the Chamber or at Mania, I think it's a, it's a it's a Mania worthy match. Uh, regarding the unification of the of the World Heavyweight Title and the WWE Title, I think it's going to stay like that for the foreseeable future because the brand extension just doesn't exist. It's one it's one roster and three shows that they can work with. That's why I said they got it. They they could use something like a TV title as a secondary belt. I feel that they should borrow from TNA, where the IC championship guy is your automatic number one contender. And yeah, and we, oh, by the way, if anybody missed TNA, stay away from the X division title match. It was a stinker. Yeah, that was. Oof. Um, on the pay per view side of things, Brock Lesnar in the Big Show. I kind of feel this is going to be the big spot where something's going to get broken, whether it's the set. You've been waiting for that for the longest. Oh, dude, I need I need that in my life. I need the I need the. <laughs> oh my god, the Big Show just got power bombed off the stage through an ambulance. Like I need that shit. <laughs> you know, like John Cena when he when he gave um, Ryback the attitude adjustment through the ambulance. That was kind of cool, but the, a spot like that is a Big Show Brock Lesnar match. I don't know. I don't care if it's the Big Show choke slamming Brock Lesnar through the set or or them destroying both announce tables. It, it needs to happen. Yeah, I see Brock going over on this one and going yeah, over. Brock Huge. needs to go over. Brock needs to go over. And obviously you can't destroy the ring because, you know, you got the Royal Rumble. But then again, you never know. They could fucking destroy the ring and then rebuild it in like five minutes, you know? Yeah, I, uh, well, that or, like, he literally picks up the ring and shakes Big Show out of it. <laughs> you're gonna, yeah, something, I mean, something you're gonna, you, you got to have that, that big, humongous uh, move that comes over. You were waiting for it with the, the Mark Henry matches and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, if anything, I'd love to see uh, the fight go out of the ring and Brock Lesnar just run up and, like, throw the steel steps at the Big Show and he falls off the stage or some shit. <laughs> Oh, it'd be tremendous, dude. Tremendous. As for... Um, he slams the Titantron on everybody. Oh, something, dude. <laughs> Brock, calm down. Yeah. You're just, tearing up the set. Yeah. Brock! Need, need that. Need just Heyman yelling like a lunatic. Um, it, I mean, Lesnar has to go over in this match because a loss from... Uh, another loss for Brock would definitely hurt him. Especially with the limited amount of mileage you got with him, you want to kind of keep him strong going into Mania. And not only that, keeping him strong and keeping him out there. Like, that's the thing, too. It's like you can't have two week, three weeks of him not on TV, then one week, and then three more weeks without him there. You got to kind of negotiate more days, you know? Yeah, and, and right now, 
WWE needs, they need Brock in this one. They need that. Usually I'm not a big Brock guy who, you know, who likes to see him out there, and especially with that whole John Cena thing, it was kind of hokey for me, but they need him right now, especially yep. with the push that they're getting now. And he's looking better and better each time. Just don't give him the mic. Other than that, he's good. Yeah, definitely don't give him the mic. Let you know, let Paul Heyman. Well, that they're doing the smart thing by letting Paul Heyman run with the ball. I mean, I I agree with you. You have to let Brock Lesnar run with the ball throughout WrestleMania because he's one of your big guys. When you look at the guys that are putting asses in seats, like we were talking about earlier in the segment, it's like you got to use Brock Lesnar in that role because there's still there's still mileage there. Yeah. So, um, but I, 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 like I said, Brock goes over, goes over huge. Yep. I, we, we, we're going to see that spot that we wanted to see with, like, with Mark Henry and Ryback. That's right. Now, of course, Randy Orton and John Cena, it's very easy to say that Randy Orton will retain, but I kind of feel that they're going to want Cena to go into the chamber with the belt to overcome the odds. Um, yeah, I, I, that's the thing that scared me about this one is that I'm not sure whether they're confident in having Randy have the belt for one more pay-per-view. Right. Because then that becomes the, the role of what they're going to be doing for that lead-in. Because if they're able to do that, he definitely loses the strap at a Nation chamber. Absolutely. It's, a, it's definitely going to be out. And if so, Cena wins. I'm guaranteeing that we see Cena and Batista for the belt. Absolutely. I could because t- remember, Batista, remember, Cena was the one who retired Batista. Batista. That's right. There's, there's that. Yeah. And, but the problem also is that they're trying. Allegedly, they want to book Batista as a face. So if you're going to book Batista as a face, you want to keep Randy as your champion. So there's a couple of different ways to go. I think if Cena gets, uh, you know, Cena gets the belt and retains it, and then at the chamber, see, I don't want to put Batista in the chamber. Because the margin of the margin of error for him getting hurt is fucking slim. Like he can get hurt in that match like this. So that big investment you just made goes out the fucking window. But then my my well, what I'm looking at now is if this doesn't happen, Cena doesn't get the belt. What becomes his match at WrestleMania? Well, you could do it a couple of different ways in Cena's case because in Cena's case, you can if if you can't get Sting, you can try and have Cena challenge the streak. Not that he'll win, but at least he's the guy that makes it seem possible that the Undertaker would lose. I would yeah, because other than that, I mean, we we we've seen for two WrestleManias what he had to you know go through with the whole Rock thing, right? So like right now. That's possibly the only thing that he has to go for right now that I actually put him over unless he gets that belt. Yeah, I mean, Cena and Taker would work in the sense that Cena could just cut a promo like, hey, I want to test myself, and I've been, in, I've been in this match, you know, I've been in this business for so long, and I've never had the opportunity to test myself against the dead man. And I think it's my time. You know, my time is now. You know, hokey as that is. Like, my time is now. It's like John Cena versus the streak. Like people would, people would definitely be interested because you'd you'd have to say to yourself, "Damn, is the belief in Cena that great that they're willing to put him over at the expense of the streak?" Like it'll get people talking. Yeah, I mean, although everybody would sit there and believe, "Oh, wow, you know, Cena once again," 
they still need they still need a callus for them. So they they still need that person out there that they can freaking hate. And you got to find a way to get Cena in that mix. Yep, it's it's easy it's easy to do that. It's very easy if you're gonna if you're gonna make Cena that guy to challenge for the streak because people would hate him instantly. And and it's true. Taker, you know, Val says it in the chat. Taker would not put over Cena. He wouldn't. But the fact is that to the crowd, to the to the novice, to the casual fan, they'll be like, oh, John Cena's going to win that match just because it's John Cena. The only other thing I would do, and, and, and based on the physical that people have been talking about that he took, I would have done, you know, Cena, Cena, and, and Ho, uh, Cena and Hogan against, like, Piper and, like, some other guy. Kind of like to recreate that match from, you know, the original WrestleMania. Right. That that would have been it. So, of, of course, the last one being the Rumble. Who who's your Rumble? Who's your Rumble pick for Victor? Well, well, first first of all, I'm more, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in seeing who are going to be like you like you mentioned earlier the surprise you know entrance for it. Uh, you know, you got a lot of people who are throwing the names in there. You know, there's, there's Evan Bourne making his return possibly. Uh, Christian will be his opening time to come back into this. Uh, there was even rumors of possibly maybe maybe John Morrison showing up again. Could see uh, that. And I, those are always my fun things because I really hate. I mean, I know a lot of people get upset because they go, "Oh, these are give spots that are given to you know other guys, and it should be guys who's been on the road all the time." Not everybody could look entertaining in the Royal Rumble. We've seen previous Royal Rumbles that you put a guy in, and it's like. Why is he hitting it again? He's not, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't look relevant. So I'm waiting for that. Now, like I said earlier, I'm looking more at the the, the eight rather than the four because those are the ones that you know that they're ready for. And I'm really not, I'm really not confident in saying that Batista is going to win this one. I wouldn't even be surprised that if Reigns doesn't win this one either. You know what it is? I think if you're going to do it. It's going to be one of those situations where, you know, it's it's going to be either Batista goes over and it's going to be something where it's going to be questionable or Reigns is going to get the nod. I mean, if we're talking about final few, the final four guys, I would say Batista, Reigns, Punk and Brian if he enters. If you're talking about final final six or eight guys, I would say Reigns. Biggie Langston, Batista, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and all three members of the Shield. Because what you can have right there is Reigns eliminating, say, Ambrose. And you can start teasing that dissension even a little bit more so in that respect. At the end of the day, though, Reigns will be in your final four. I'm going to say because he is such an... uh... He's such a, um, a a cog in the machine now, and I think it's just another notch in his wrestling career that I am I gotta go with the underdog. And I, although I'm a huge fan, I gotta say I think Punk is gonna take it. I don't know why. I think they might have a plan for this to roll out for WrestleMania, but I gotta believe that he goes in that one and wins it. I I think you know Val says uh, CM Punk to, to to be the second person in WWE history to win from number one. That would be a, a huge huge uh, feather in the cap for CM Punk. But you know if they're teasing the alleged match with him and Triple H, who knows? Um, you know that that would that would definitely be something to make the fans 
very happy as well. Me personally, I think um, if I had to say a winner, the 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 you the, the, the casual fan in me says they're gonna go they're gonna run with the ball and give it to Batista, but the guy you know the the guy who fucking has to follow all this shit as his job says that says they're they're gonna give Roman Reigns the rub on this one. Not give him the belt, but let him challenge for it and test him and see if he's ready for that bump. Now, with that, he gets the rub and he gets o- he gets over and he and he gets out of that spot. Who is he seeing in Mania? I think that if Reigns got the the rub to go to Mania, I would probably like to see a Reigns, especially a face Reigns and maybe a, a, a champion heel Randy Orton if you put Cena in there with Taker. Because if you do a face versus face, Reigns isn't established as much. I would rather a, a face Reigns with a, with a heel Orton. Maybe give Reigns a mouthpiece. That's how I would go with it. I think Jay dropped out. Did he? Yep. Jay dropped out, it looks like. Um, I don't know if he's going to dial back in or not, but as I was saying, I'd probably, I'd probably do that. I would go, I would go Reigns and maybe a heel Orton. Um, oh, that's weird, Jay. Jay, if anything, just uh, dial back in if you want. But as I, as I was saying, you know, I think, I think Reigns getting, getting the rub in the Royal Rumble match would be would be better for him. I think this is a, a prime opportunity to to see if he can really hang in the upper card. There's really no other new guy that I would give the bump to go into the main event because all these guys are kind of treading water. But if you want to do something big with Reigns, the Rumble is the the Rumble is definitely the place to do it. As for as for, you know, like I said, the the casual fan going with Batista you know, going with Batista, like I said, from a business standpoint, definitely, definitely works. So there you have it. I, I will say, I don't know if Jay's going to call back in. So I'll, uh, I'll start wrapping it up. If he does great, if he doesn't, then uh, just make sure you follow at Jay Santi PSW on Twitter. And I believe we're going to try and get uh, Jay to live blog the Royal Rumble this weekend. So if that's if that's something to uh, look forward to, make sure. Oh, there he is. I see him. Let me bring him back in. Jay, what's up? Yeah, I, I think um, I think Verizon was trying to cut off my my speak time here. <laughs> but um, no, I, yeah, no, no. Those like I said, those are great options. And believe me, um, yes, promote the live blog because yes, I, we need to get this go. We need to start the movement. Let's live blog for pay per views. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna try and test it out this. Uh, this coming weekend, I'll see if I if I can get with you uh, tomorrow or Saturday, and we'll do a live blog. We'll try and test it out. Um, if Jay live blogs the Rumble, I, I'll probably be chiming in as well. If not, I'll probably be watching it with the uh, the rest of the GFQ staff, and I'll you know I'll probably share stuff on the fan page as well. But we're gonna definitely try our hand at doing the live blog with the Rumble. So I want I'm glad Jay dialed back in so we can announce that. Uh, anything else you want to put out there, Jay? Uh, yeah, guys, uh, February 15th, and mind you, uh, I, I, I gotta stress this up, uh, for the year, if you guys are wrestling fans, please support your, end, your indie shows. Yep. I mean, we all love the mainstream WWE, the TNAs, whatever it is, but please 
support your indie shows. I mean, these are guys that you can meet, see, you know, up close and personal, and who knows, one day these guys will make it to the main shows, and you can go, wow, I know this guy. I spoke to this guy at an indie show. And believe me, you won't be disappointed. They're fun. Sometimes they're funny. And even if it's, it's like pizza, even if it's bad, they're still good. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I just want to say the House of Glory in Ridgewood, New York, they're doing February 15th, and their main event card is the Young Bucks going up against Amazing Red and the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome card. Make sure to check that out, our friends of House of at House of Glory. Um, I'll probably see if we can uh, get Amazing Red on, maybe have him or, or Brian XL, or who knows, maybe uh, a- a- AJ can join us and we can – kind of talk about that for the show we'll see what happens um we'll either myself or jay will put some feelers out to house of glory and try and get that set up i i definitely you know to mention um something that jay's talked about i definitely want to talk to uh cold-hearted player danny damanto that guy is a that guy is such an awesome indie heel he is the fucking best dude listen guys if you don't know him Go on YouTube. They have tons of videos of this guy. He's you know, in the ring work. His ring work is excellent. Yep. I love the way he works for his size and whatever. You wouldn't expect a guy to really move the way he does. But his mic skills is up to par with the elite guys in wrestling. It's a shame that he doesn't get the, the, the cut that he should be getting. Amazing. I've seen him body old women. That's yep. it's, it's hilarious. It's fantastic. He he lays into he lays into 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 some of the fans in such epic fashion. The last time I was there, um, they uh, when me, when I was there to see the House of Glory show with Slick and my nephew, he laid into the chick that had the leopard print bodysuit. Oh, oh! Let me tell you, guys. I'm serious. I'm, I'm seriously. If you guys know how good Bully Ray has been with his. His, his gimmick and his promos through the years right now, the model is up to that caliber. Like, seriously. It, 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 it's a must-see. Definitely, definitely a, a high-caliber guy. So I know you mentioned it um, about wanting to talk with him. Val, Val in the chat actually went to high school with him. So that's pretty oh, funny. The, Val, then, then he, he must have been, been probably getting the barrage of all of the barrages that everybody else was getting. Yeah. Pretty much. So um, definitely something we we're going to touch on. And of course, like I said, we're going to try and do the live blog this weekend. Uh, make sure to follow Jay on Twitter at JSantiPSW. And of course, look for his articles on MyTakeRadio.com. Anything else you want to put out there? Uh, enjoy the Rumble, guys. And uh, see, you, see you at the next event. Laters. All right, guys. See you around, Jay. All right, make sure to follow Jay on Twitter, like I said, at PSW. All right, so that actually is going to wrap up this week's wrestling segment. Um, I really want to discuss some crazy stuff going on on the gaming side of things. So let's uh, run right into it. It's uh, 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just a quick time check and a reminder that if you are listening to the Blog Talk Radio feed, that feed will go offline at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But you can continue to listen live either by using our call number 347-324-3541 or by listening or watching live 
on gfqlive.tv or mtrlive.com. But we got games to talk about, so let's get right to it. So an all-time classic is coming to next-gen consoles, and no, it's not Pac-Man, and no, it's not Toe Jam and Earl. It is Tetris. Uh, Ubisoft has announced a partnership with the Tetris company to bring the classic Tetris series to Xbox One and PlayStation 4 later this year. So be on the lookout for that. If you are a Tetris fan, you'll be able to play that on your brand new Xbox One or PlayStation 4. I'm sure that on the Xbox One side of things, there'll be some Kinect functionality allowing you to possibly move the pieces around with your hand. So that'll kind of be cool if you're playing... um, you know, Tetris and you're going like this and moving the blocks around. I think that would be very, very cool to see. Um, like I said, we'll have more news as it develops, but it is coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. In news that really shouldn't shock anybody, Star Wars 1313, which originally was going to be bought out, uh, brought out by the team at Lucas, is officially dead. It seems that the... Um, they they didn't bother pay, renewing the trademark, so Star Wars thirteen thirteen is dead in the water. Of course, there's rumors that Disney will be doing uh, Star Wars projects with Pixar, and if that's the case, I'm sure they'll have their own tie-in games to go in with that. If you're a PC fan and a Resident Evil fan, you'll want to pick up the HD remastering of Resident Evil 4, which is going to be released on PC as a digital download on Steam and on, via retail outlets for Windows in Europe. The game will run at 60 frames per second, giving it the highest visual quality ever. Um, it's expected to be hitting stores February 28th, 2014, with an estimated retail price of $19.99. So if you're a Resident Evil fan, you'll be able to pick up Resident Evil 4 via Steam and play it at 60 frames per second. That's going to be insane. If you're like me and are a fan of DC Universe Online, which I actually still play casually on my PlayStation 3, you will be happy to know that a brand new DLC expansion pack based on the War of Light is now available for Legendary members one week early. Uh, the War of Light, of course, follows the war between the Green Lantern Corps. So if you are a Legendary member of the DC Universe Online community, you'll be able to play that now, one week early. Uh, DC Universe Online, of course, is an MMO-style game where you actually create your own superhero or villain, and you'll be able to actually interact with the existing heroes and villains of the DC Universe, um, including Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, etc. Uh, the War of Light pack, of course, will open up new abilities for your created characters and will allow you to pretty much extend the shelf life of the game so if you are playing it and you are a legendary member be on the lookout for that uh, war of light dlc which is available right now last week we were discussing uh killer instinct and the fact that uh saber wolf who had replaced jago as the free fighter is once again um the subject of replacement so Jago was your first guy that you got free. He was replaced by Saberwolf, which you got free. Well, now, if you download Killer Instinct on Xbox One, your free character will be Chief Thunder. So, pretty much, he will be the brand new free character. And as always, 
every every update that Killer Instinct releases, they will make a different character free. Of course, the beauty of this is that it allows you to get better with a particular character if you haven't really invested into the game by purchasing any of the other characters. So, if you purchase an Xbox One within the next couple of weeks, say uh, Saber Wolf will no longer be your free character. It will be Chief Thunder. Now, I will say that if you're interested in playing Killer Instinct and don't want to go through uh, the free character releases, of course, you can invest in purchasing the characters individually. Um, I already have seen uh, video footage of Spinal. Spinal will be another character added to the brand new Killer Instinct series. Um, of course... Like always, a lot of people have a love-hate relationship, but I will say that Double Helix has done a tremendous job with Killer Instinct as a whole. So definitely very, very cool. Uh, speaking of Xbox One, they will be doing uh, brand new live and on-demand sports content through their partnership with the IPTV company New Lion. Uh, you're going to be able to see live 24-7 linear channels and on-demand sports broadcasts. Um, at 60 frames per second, according to an announcement they put out recently, um, you're going to be able to watch all those sports on your console. Just once again, uh, solidifying the Xbox one as a centerpiece of home theater and not just your standard run of the mill console. Of course, this also adds to what they're already doing with ESPN and the ESPN experience, which if you have the ESPN app, it's going to have similar features to the NFL app and will allow you to watch uh, live feeds of the NFL network, live feeds of NFL Red Zone. It's also going to draw content from NFL's fantasy football website, so user, users will be able to track their teams and their leagues. So if you're a fantasy football fan um, and you want to kind of add another level of experience to your, you know, your football coverage, obviously the Xbox one is the company that's going to be well, Microsoft and Xbox are going to be the company you're going to want to work with, with regards to that, especially them being the centerpiece of your home theater. So that's, that's a plus. I mean, I got to commend Xbox. They're really trying to go out of their way to give you guys, um, a complete multimedia experience. But for, for all the good news that Xbox has, there's been a little bit of controversy this week, and this is going to be one of the bigger things I want to talk about. It seems that, uh, Xbox, Microsoft, and Machinima have actually been reaching out to Machinima partners and are paying them extra to promote Xbox One. Of course, the agreement was, you know, it was payments that were dependent on the agreements being kept confidential. Under the terms of the agreement, Mach uh, Machinima's uh, community manager uh, highlighted and now deleted this tweet which was shared on Ars Technica and a couple of other sites, Microsoft would pay content producers a $3 CPM bonus. That's an extra $3 per thousand video views. If they posted a video with at least 30 seconds of Xbox One gameplay footage in the first two minutes and verbally mentioned that they were playing on an Xbox One. In order for the creators to get paid, the videos had to be labeled with the tag XB. 1M13 and were supposed to be posted between 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on January 13th and 2.59 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on February 10th. Of course, Microsoft included a stipulation, um, again, crediting Ars Technica for this, that said, you may not say anything negative or disparaging about Machinima, Xbox One, or any of its games in your campaign video. And the campaign was set to end after a total of one point. 
two million views across all XB1 M13 tagged videos, which puts the maximum combined payout to video producers at 3,750 writers. As of this writing, a search for YouTube videos with that tag posted the pe- this past week turns up more than 400 results. So this is this is something to take into consideration. Our, according to Ars Technica's uh, post that they the article that they put out, they said Microsoft's confidentiality agreement and requirement may violate the U.S. Federal Trade Commission's guidelines for advertising that contains endorsements. When there exists a connection between the endorser and the seller of the advertised product that might materially affect the weight of credibility of the endorsement, such a connection must be fully disclosed. The guidelines state. Now, you know, Microsoft has has been under damage control and a lot of companies and a lot of different YouTubers um, are really sharing their opinions. Um, Hip Hop Gamer posted a video about it and he was he was speaking uh, definitely breaking it down and sharing his thoughts on it. So I want to kind of get into it a little bit, obviously, because we have our YouTube channel. Uh, it's youtube.com forward slash my take radio TV. And we share video game footage on there. Uh, next gen consoles, throwback stuff, whatever the case is. Uh, I try to share some of that. I've been slacking lately. So, um, I apologize for those of you that are subscribed to the channel, but I will say this. Everybody is on everybody that's out there is on the take in some capacity. And the reason I say that is because think about it. Microsoft and Machinima reach out to you. You're a YouTuber that puts out videos in their spare time. Occasionally you get a check from, from YouTube for whatever it is. YouTube usually pays out for every hundred dollars. And I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be honest when you're a YouTuber or, um, a broadcaster or whatever the case is, you get into this with the intention of a building a following and B possibly making money or getting opportunities based on this stuff. Now I do, I do agree that making sure that people spoke positively about your product is, you know, it's definitely in poor taste, but this is something that has existed with countless companies. I know people that are, that have, you know, purchase products on Amazon and the companies reach out to them to give them positive reviews on Amazon for uh, monetary gain. We've never had that because again, I d- we don't own, you know, my take radio and its staff doesn't own allegiance to any company companies that work with us, work with us on the, on the premise that we will be giving you guys um, legitimate criticism, legitimate feedback about products and services that we used. Um, you guys know that we have a relationship with Ripped Apparel. I wear Ripped Apparel shirts on air, and um, I share Ripped Apparel merchandise on our fan page. But there's two reasons why that relationship works. Number one, it's pop culture stuff that I like. Number two, it's t-shirts. It's fucking t-shirts. We all wear t-shirts. Some of us wear t-shirts with sports teams. Some of us wear t-shirts with games. Whatever the case is, it's it's just that. And again, uh, we provide a product and a service which, you know, things shit costs money. It's no different than you going to Applebee's and your server coming up and saying, hey, you know, give me all fives. Next time you come back, you get 20% off your next meal. It's no different than that. The only thing that I feel is definitely disingenuous is the fact that the stipulation was that you could not speak negatively of 
you know, Machinima Xbox One or whatever game you were playing. You know, it definitely, it definitely is a little shady, but let's not kid ourselves. Everybody that does this stuff wants to be paid to do this stuff. People that run YouTube channels got to pay money for cameras, got to pay money for green screen stuff, got to pay money for software. If you look up software like Wirecast or VidBlaster or Camtasia, all that shit costs money. Video capture cards. I use an Elgato um, game capture card. It costs me $170. Shit costs money. Now, I purchased it because obviously it's going to add to our reviews and it's going to add to our content. But think about it. If you're somebody who's starting a channel and you're doing Let's Plays and stuff like that, you want to make a return on investment. And sure, you're going to have YouTube ads and you're going to have all this shit. And eventually you'll get a check for 50 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever. But the fact is you're going to deal with this stuff for the foreseeable future. Nobody does this shit just for the love of the game. It's bullshit. So, yes, Microsoft definitely disingenuous in the way they did they, they did that. But the fact is that all of us are somehow on the take. Broadcasters, uh, YouTubers, whatever the case is, either we're on the take or we want to be on the take. I'll be honest with you. If a company said, hey, we want you to review our product and we'll pay you for it. I'd definitely say, hey, I'll review it and I'll take the money, but be aware that if your product is is shitty, I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to hold back. You know, I'm going to I'm going to be honest. If you guys can accept that, then we will move forward. Because it's true, I'd rather come out of the gate being honest and people can say, you know, Rich, maybe maybe I think we think Rich took a payoff for that game. I'd come on there and say, yeah, man, they fucking paid me for that. But I'd also say that I didn't give the game five, five across the board because the game was not that great. If you guys have read MyTakeRadio.com, you know that myself and Slick, um, some, of our, some of our staff have received games to review, and sometimes the games are shitty. I think Slick, Slick reviewed a game uh, about trailer parks. Like it was like like RV racing or some shit. I forgot what it was. And Slick Slick skewered that game because the game wasn't good. Yeah, they gave us a copy of the game, but the game wasn't good. That's that's just how it is. I mean, if a product is overly bad, you can do it in a nice way. I'm not saying hey, don't buy it. It's a piece of shit. But I will say hey, you know this product. Um, I, I try to find something good about it. That, that's all I'm saying. But people, of course, are all bent out of shape talking about, oh, people are on the take and you're selling out and, and blah, blah, blah. The fact is we all want to sell out. You think that some kid, some 14 or 15-year-old kid that puts out Let's Play videos and has a decent following and gets an email from Microsoft that says, hey, we'll pay you um, a couple of bucks if you say that our games aren't shitty do you think that kid isn't gonna jump on it do you think that a youtuber that doesn't really make any money and is looking to gain an edge is not gonna do that i'll be honest if microsoft came to us and said hey you know we want you to speak good uh speak well about our xbox one titles the first thing i'd say is um sure but what are we gonna get out of it that's the problem. People people talk about wanting to be paid, but they also forget about this is a business. Everything is a business. 
Running a YouTube channel is a business. If you have to spend money on logos, equipment, and all that shit, you're not spending that money for free. You're spending that with the hopes that either you're going to make some money or you're going to do something with it of, of substance. Simple as that. And that's what gets me. I personally feel that if if Microsoft is going to be paying people off, then I'm hoping that the allure of money is is enough to where people can genuinely say something and and be moderately honest. I hey, if Microsoft said, "Hey, we want you to play Rise and um, you know, we'll pay you whatever." I'd play Rise and I'd be like, "You know, the first thing I'd say is after I say it, I'd be like, hey, this is a review copy from Microsoft or, you know, Microsoft provided this copy of the, whatever the case is. But I would let the audience know. And I and I definitely would speak of the pros of the game. And even though the confidentiality requirement says that you will not say anything negative or disparaging, that doesn't mean you can't say that oh, I would have I would have preferred that the game had this and this and this. Sure, you can't say the game is a steaming, festering pile of garbage, but you can say, eh, the graphics could have been better. That's not negative. That's just, you know, setting setting expectations. I'm sorry, but people talking about this, like if it's news, you're you're sorely mistaken. This is a business. I do the I do MTR. I do the site. I do the show and I love it and I love to do it. But I also do it with the intention of growing this into a brand and growing as a business. And as such, this all can be done by cultivating relationships, by doing the right thing, not only by your audience, but by companies you work with. And sometimes you're going to be asked to do crooked shit. You either say yes or you say no. But the people that are that are, you know, on on their pedestals complaining about it either are people that aren't trying to make money and aren't hustling or are people that they feel lied to because X YouTuber or 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 X uh vlogger said that X title was good. I'm sorry, but I I'm not going to just rely on the opinion of whatever vlogger or YouTuber or website that puts out their information. You guys tune in to hear what I have to say about stuff, but what I say isn't isn't gospel. It's not 100%. I could say, hey, you know, I picked up Xbox One, and I thought that Rise was a five-star game. Okay, if somebody came to me and said, you know what, dude, I really didn't agree with that. I played it. I thought the game was 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 a solid three at best for X, Y, and Z. I would say, okay, that you, you, that's fine, you know, but I wouldn't expect people to only go by my opinion. Sure, you want to be an authority figure, but you also want your audience to not be fucking sheep. Simple as that. You can say a game is, is a five-star game, and if a person believes in you, they'll know when you're shilling, and they'll know when you're not. That's it. If I If I go and I listen to... Uh, let's talk about what the tech with um, Andrew Zarian and Paul Therat. Both guys know their tech. They know their technology. Paul Therat is a you know he's a he's a pretty much got his thumb on the pulse of Windows. And if he said, hey, you know, you guys are really going to want to pick up a Microsoft Surface tablet because it's a tremendous piece of equipment, I would say, you know, that's pretty that's pretty big of Paul to to say that that's a great piece of tech. 
But I wouldn't run to the store and buy it just because Paul Therat said so. I would read some reviews on Lifehacker or The Verge or um, Polygon or Ars Technica, whatever the case is. And then I'd go to a store and test the device myself. And if it's for me, I would buy it. But again, if you're only if you're judging and and building criteria for purchase off of what one vlogger says or one YouTuber says, you are a fucking you're sheep. You are mindless sheep. Simple as that. Do not think for one second that people are not trying to get paid. You know, people are, are people are not trying to get paid. You're crazy. Do you think do you think that, you know, uh, machinima or the let's let's go like this let's take what Val said do you think Engadget is gonna speak is gonna speak well of a product and you're only gonna go by what Engadget says even if it's a product that you know is shitty no like if Engadget said oh you know we think that the Fitbit Flex is the best fitness tracker out there and we gave it five stars you know first that Fitbit gave them the product. So you know they're going to speak as well as can be about the product. But you're not going to only go by what they say. You know, it's, it, Val, Val shared something very interesting, and it's true. Um, they, Lifehacker put up a poll that had the, uh, you know, the HDST drives with the best reli- reliability and the Seagate drives as the worst. Now, again, Lifehacker says that, and sure, you can go by what Lifehacker says. You can read Maximum PC and check that. You can go on Amazon or Newegg and try and build a case for that. But again, it's all subjective. That's all I'm saying. Same thing, the same rules apply to this with X, with Machinima and, and, you, and Xbox paying YouTubers for this. We all are in this to make money. If somebody tells you that, that that's not the case, they're fucking lying. Or they're, or they're lying to themselves. You mean to tell me that if you spend, you know, an hour a day playing a game, then you're spending two hours editing the footage and uploading it to YouTube, and you spent money on a camera, and you spent money on a laptop and a capture card, and whatever software you wanted to edit the video, which by the way, isn't cheap. You're not going to want to make some sort of money back. You're fucking crazy. Seriously. Cause even, even if you use like, I, I edit our videos with Sony, with uh, Sony movie studio, the software can be purchased from a price between 75 and, and, and 80 bucks. Well, $75 and $85, depending on which version you get. If you get an older version, you can pick it up for $40, and it does the job. But, again, that is money that you are spending. And you're not spending it just on the strength of, oh, I want to put out good videos. You're spending it because you want to put out good videos, build up a following, and monetize it. Plain and simple. Shit costs money. You're not just going to do it for the love of the game. And this goes back to, you know, the podcasters uh, roundtable today where we were talking about apps and, and, you know, people spending the money. If I can spend the money on, you know, uh, a, a $40 microphone or, you know, a $100 board or, you know, a, a, a $160 recorder, 
It's because I want to give you guys a great product, but I also want people to say, wow, you know, My Take Radio has good editing. My Take Radio has good audio. Hey, maybe we should talk to them about promoting X or promoting Y. And that's that. Simple. So please get off your soapboxes. Don't act like this is shocking or this is news that people are being paid for, for, for positive feedback. This has been going on for as long as can be. I know people on uh, companies on Yelp that have done it. I know people that have done it for Amazon reviews. I know people that have, that have been paid reviewers that have done it. Hell, I know guys that run sites that get products for free and they give them favorable reviews because they want to keep the product. Not because the product is good or bad, but because they want to keep it. And then those same guys turn around, they wait three months and they sell it. They sell whatever it is, whether it's a, you know, a mouse or a, a game or whatever it is. They sell that shit because it's all about money. The bottom line is money. Please, I cannot stress this enough, guys. You want to buy something, you want an opinion, don't rely on just one site or one vlogger or one whatever. Take the time, go to Metacritic, go to, you know, game FAQs, read Amazon reviews. If it's games, go to cheap ass gamer, uh, ask on Twitter, you know, the, the same way you can ask if, if these jeans make you look fat or this t-shirt looks cool, go on Twitter, ask, put, put it out there, use core, use Cora, which is a question and answer site. But don't just rely on that stuff because not everybody's going to give you a genuine opinion because some people are on the take. That's all I'm saying. But like I said, this has been a big deal for the majority of the week. You know, this story broke Monday and people are still going on about it. I mean, you know, EA, Microsoft, all these companies have done it. You know, I haven't been approached. I can tell you 100%. We've never been approached to take any kickbacks for anything we review. Everything we review, we either are allowed to keep it by companies or we return it for that reason, because we don't want to be, um, you know, we don't want to have servitude to these companies like, oh, you know, we gave you this brand new 50 inch TV. So since we gave it to you, we expect you to give it five stars, even though the TV has lag or shitty color or et cetera. You know, I'm just using that as an example. So again, guys, take a moment, do your research on everything you buy. If you value somebody's opinion, reach out to them and ask them. Simple as that. If somebody said to me, hey, Rich, you know, I want to pick up a microphone to do a better show or whatever. What do you recommend? I'd say, you know, Audio-Technica or if you, you know, which runs you like 50 bucks or a headset mic if you're just starting out. That's it. And then that person can take my advice or not. All right. So that, 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 uh, crazy insane diatribe is going to uh close out this week's gaming segment uh let's get into the entertainment news uh, because there's a couple of castings and a couple of things i want to discuss and we got a lot of small screen news so let's get right to it shall we Alright, so we got to start with some small screen news and, and it definitely is a lot of Marvel stuff to get the ball rolling. Um, finally, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is starting to do things right by really working 
closer with the products and the heroes of the Marvel Universe. We started seeing it, you know, with the Thor, the Thor, the Dark World tie in uh, the Nick Fury cameo, um, a lot of mentions of different things. But uh, Superhero Hype reported that ABC um, unveiled at the at the television critics panel that Jamie Alexander's um, character, the Lady Sif from Thor, will be appearing on episode 15 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, it's very it's very cool that they're doing that because, again, one of the reasons why people are so into uh, shows like Arrow, uh, Smallville when it was out, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is because we're looking for that, that correlation. We're looking for the references to the... Uh, source material and the comic universe from where they they're taking place in shield's case there there's a tremendous amount of stuff they can do and i'm i'm glad that they're starting to kind of venture into that territory and one of the cool things is that if you've been watching agents of shield you know that there was a character mike peterson that was played by j august richards now that character everybody thought he was going to play like luke cage or something like that turns out marvel confirmed that he will actually become the character of Deathlock, which is very cool. If you if you were a, a Marvel reader in the 90s, you'll know that the character of Deathlock, he's a uh, half man, half machine. He's very similar to DC Comics' Cyborg. Uh, Deathlock is going to be appearing in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starting February 4th, and the character is going to actually, like I said, be the transformation of Mike Peterson, played by... Um, J. August Richards. So again, very cool that you know they're using the uh, the Deathlock character, um, you know, and they're really going to work with that superhuman strength and speed with the cybernetic leg. And they're definitely doing the right things now with Agents of Shield branching into that. And I like that they're starting to use these these more uh, third tier or lesser known characters in this mythology because it not only allows you to see these characters on the small screen and get a different interpretation of them, but it just allows new audiences to become familiar with this character. Like Deathlock, the last time I, I read anything with Deathlock was in the late, late 90s, early 2000s for a little bit. He'd pop up here and there, but he, he was a very cool character. The design was on point, and I'm happy to see that they're going to do stuff. You know, Lady Sif, Deathlock, it's the right way to go. Now, if they were smart, they'd try and get some of the some of the Avengers actors, but I know that you gotta pay an arm and a leg for that. You know, like it'd be cool to see Captain America, you know, Chris Evans pop up in an episode. I th- I think, you know, or Black Widow or Hawkeye. Even if it's for you know, briefly like they did with Nick Fury. I just feel that it would really add another dimension to that show. And Arrow's been doing it right. You know, Solomon Grundy, uh Sebastian Blood. Deathstroke, which tremendous bronze tiger, uh, you know, the league of assassins. They're doing, they're doing the right thing. It's funny. Cause Val says that people still watch agents of shield. I'll be uh, to answer Val's question. I I've been DV, you know, watching it on DVR and I almost, I almost pulled the plug and stopped watching it because I really didn't feel that it was moving ahead at the speed it should have been. But you know what, what happens I, I toughed it out and I've been watching it and they've been they've been doing stuff. They're still fleshing out how Coulson is still alive, which I like. And they're starting to add some super villains. Uh, you know, they're starting to throw some things in there. There's references to extremists and different things from the Marvel Universe. So they're getting there, but it it still needs a little bit of work. But again, definitely 
a lot better than when it started. Now, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't going to be the only show. They're going to be doing, of course, the uh, the Agent Carter TV series, which is going to follow Haley Atwell uh, playing the role of Peggy Carter. Now, Peggy Carter, of course, was Steve Rogers' love interest. I really don't know how far you can drag that story. Um, they didn't order a pilot yet for the show, from what I'm hearing. Um, it seems that the uh, the Reaper creators, uh, Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters, are involved. And the pilot was written by uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who wrote Thor The Dark World and Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So, again, there's tons of promise there. But you're you're using a character who exists in the in the old Steve Rogers Captain America universe. So I don't know how far, it, it, you know how far you can go with those stories. But again, I really have to commend Marvel for what they're doing. I mean, like I said, uh, using Lady Sif from Thor, uh, bringing in Deathlock. You know that that's huge. Deathlock especially because that's a character that unless you're really familiar with he's he's relatively unknown to to this generation's comic fans like old school guys you know 80s babies guys that read comics in the 90s you know deathlock you're familiar with him you know a little bit about him but I, i'm i really am looking forward to not only seeing how he looks but i think jay august richards is a solid actor and he can add a really good dimension to the deathlock character Another Disney property making it to the small screen is Toy Story, which is actually going to be doing a TV special called Toy Story That Time Forgot, which is going to be uh, hitting ABC during the holidays. Um, you know, Toy Story of Terror, which came out in 2013, was the number one show in, in its time period with 10.5 million viewers. So Toy Story is definitely going to be um, an interesting property. They're going to do Toy Story That Time Forgot on ABC during the holidays. So on some DC news, we if, if you don't know, allow me to be the first to tell you that Batman versus Superman has been pushed to May 6th, 2016. Now there's a lot of rumors um, between, you know, obviously some people are saying that Ben Affleck got hurt. Other people are saying that they're really trying to work on the story and they're going to need more time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's 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 weird because you're looking at basically a, a two year window for you to build this movie and build all this buzz. And a lot of people were really looking forward to it in 2015. But instead, you know, you're going to have to wait basically two years. But Marvel capitalized on it. What they did was that they decided that they moved Ant-Man to July 17th, 2015. So now Everybody that was looking forward to seeing Batman versus Superman, Ant-Man is taking that slot. And, um, you know, what they're doing in Superman's case, Superman and Batman, they're going to put out um, a new interpretation of Peter Pan. Now, Strider's, Strider in the chat says, I'd rather wait for a good polished movie than a rush piece of shit. I agree with that statement 110%. I think that going that route, even even if it's... You know, even if it's the extra year, you got to take into account that you have to create a story that not only allows for Batman and Superman on screen, but you also have to account for Wonder Woman and whatever other stories they're trying to set up from Batman and Superman, whether it's a solo Wonder Woman movie, 
whether it's the rumored Justice League movie, there's a lot of factors to consider. So I, I do agree with what Strider says. I would rather take the 2016 release date and get an amazing film than get all pissed off about it not being um, released on time and then you know the movie ends up being shit. Now, the funny thing is that we all know that Gal Gadot will be playing Wonder Woman and she actually did an interview where she signed on for three films. And the kicker is that they actually said what she signed on for. She signed on for Superman and Batman. She signed on for Justice League and a solo Wonder Woman film. So right there, the cat's out of the bag. That Superman versus Batman is going to be the setup for Justice League. And then you're going to get a solo Wonder Woman film as well. So Definitely very, very interesting. Uh, speaking of the box office, I want to get into some box office totals. Uh, Ride Along was the number one movie at the box office, earning $41.2 million, uh, crushing it, making it the highest January opening weekend of all time. It's crazy because I thought that a movie that was PG-13 with Ice Cube and Kevin Hart was not going to be successful, and I will be the first to say that I was wrong. Right along taking in a, a nice haul, $41.2 million. Lone Survivor coming in at number two. The Nut Job coming in at number three. Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit coming in at four. Frozen in the number five slot, or bringing its grand total to $332.6 million. American Hustle was number six. The Devil's Due was number seven. August Osage County was number eight. The Wolf on Wall Street was number nine. And Saving Mr. Banks was number 10. So there you have it. The Wolf on Wall Street definitely on tap to make $100 million. It's $7.5 million haul from this past weekend. Brought its totals to $90.3 million. In some Star Wars news, J.J. Abrams appeared at the TV Critics Association press tour to promote a brand new NBC series, and he went on record saying that Star Wars Episode Seven has been written. He also did confirm that he met with actor Jesse Plemons from Breaking Bad to discuss his involvement in the film. He also said that he would like to shoot, um, you know, he said it's unlikely he would shoot Episode Seven in IMAX, but I'm sure that, you know, doing Star Wars in IMAX is, is, is in the cards. It's a no-brainer. Um... You know, it's it's weird because Jesse Plemons, I, you know, I've been watching Breaking Bad and I don't I don't know how I feel about him as an actor, but they're really talking about a lot of really great people being involved in Star Wars. Carrie Fisher went on record uh, in an interview with TV Guide saying that her, Matt, Mark Hamill and um, Harrison Ford are all going to be involved in the in the new Star Wars trilogy. So. There's there's a lot of expectations being being set for this new series. Also, it's being rumored that Disney and Pixar will also be doing something with the Star Wars universe as well, um, whether it's creating new animated content or doing animated films to bridge the gap between the trilogy. But it's 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 definitely being teased that Pixar will be involved in future Star Wars projects. So it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. We shall see where they go with it. As always, I will keep you guys in the loop with any upcoming Star Wars movie news. If you were probably between, if you're between the ages of 30, uh, 33 and 25, at some point growing up, 
you watched Barbarella. We all did. Barbarella with Jane Fonda was a movie that as soon as you read the plot, you prayed to God that you'd see nudity and sex and whatever. Then you watch it and you realize that it's just a psychedelic acid trip with a scantily clad Jane Fonda and a lot of sexual innuendo. Well, considering that, I got to say that they will. They, there are rumors that they will be doing a brand new Barbarella. Uh, they are doing a pilot scripted by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade from Skyfall. And as of right now, they're looking at Nicholas Winding Refn to executive produce with Martha De Laurentiis. And the series is going to go back to the origins of the original comics. And it's going to follow, you know, Barbarella and her adventures through space. Now, what they're saying is that Amazon is rumored to be uh, pretty much the medium for which we're going to be seeing a brand new Barbarella series. Listen, I saw Barbarella growing up. If you haven't seen it or have never seen it, it's on Netflix. I got to say that Barbarella, if if I were to see that movie, uh, see that show, I, I'd have to use it on a network like Stars or HBO. There's got to be a little nudity, a little bit of risque uh, sexual situations. Don't get me wrong. I think Amazon can probably get away with it as well. But I just feel that uh, something like Barbarella would benefit from a cable slot versus an original programming slot on something like Amazon. I kind of feel that Amazon's TV series haven't been successful because it not too many people are even aware that Amazon does original content. Like I said, Barbarella, you 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 watch it with the, you know, you'll watch it if there's, you know, sex, gratuitous sex. When you were a kid and you read the plot, whenever you saw it in like a cheesy TV guide, you'd watch it right away hoping that you'd see you know, boobs. That's just how it was when you were younger. It's it's really a, a pretty safe movie. I don't know if the series is going to capture that same level of campiness that the original did, but, you know, I'm curious to see where they go with that. I mean, you know, I have, I have Amazon Prime as well, and I've ne- I think I've watched like one or two things on Amazon Prime. I mean, I know I haven't, and I use it on, uh, you know, I use it occasionally, but Netflix gets most of my my viewing time. Just saying. So it wouldn't be a, an episode of MTR with some Fantastic Four reboot news, and um, it looks like there's a couple of cast uh, a couple of casting news I can report on. Um, they're saying that Kit Harrington who is Jon Snow on Game of Thrones, and Miles Teller have read for the role of of Reed Richards. They're also saying that Kate Mara has read for the role of Sue Storm. Now, you know, Kate Mara also is not alone in reading for Sue Storm. So is um, Sarice Ronan. And also, Michael B. Jordan is still being rumored for the part of Johnny Storm. As I've said before, Michael B. Jordan is a good actor, but Johnny Storm being black, you know, just it, it. There's no, there's no like Fantastic Four reboot. There's no Ultimate Fantastic Four where you could get away with that. They're just, they're just switching things out. Again, not sure if if that's still going to be the case, but you have to remember that uh, Johnny Storm, Human Torch, is the brother of Invisible Woman Sue Storm, so. You know, Sue Storm white, Johnny Storm black. What are you going to say? It's her stepbrother or, you know, it, it's just, I listen, I don't really care if you change the race of certain characters. It's just very strange that 
you like I said, I'd rather the thing, Ben Grimm, his his race, be changed. On the contrary, they're saying that um, Terry Crews is interested in work in in playing the thing in Fantastic Four. And I'll be honest, you know, Terry Crews is a good actor. And I have no problem with them changing Ben Grimm to being African-American because it's it's a it's a thing that's open to interpretation because you rarely see Ben Grimm not, you know, as the you rarely see Ben Grimm being human. So you can have a lot of fun with him being human. And then, you know, when he becomes the thing, it's funny because Strider says no black man doesn't want to be known as the thing. You know, you know what the problem is there? There's. Uh, there's always the case of whitewashing and I've talked about this when they cast Idris Elba as Heimdall in Thor, but let's, I, what, I have no problem with changing the race of a character, but the problem is that the fantastic Four, the first family of Marvel, there's never been an interpretation of them where they've made it multiracial. If they would have, if they would have started that in the ultimate fantastic four universe, then I could see that working, but you just, you're, you're changing it. For the big screen, why? That's all I'm saying. I think you know it's it's just weird that that you wanna you wanna go that route for just no reason whatsoever. I like Michael B. Jordan. He's he's a, he's a solid actor. Um, but again, we'll see. That's a rumor that's been floating around for quite some time. Again, I I really don't think that that's the right way to go. If you want to do, I I like Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan would probably make a, a good. He'd make a good young Luke Cage or he'd make a good Blade if you wanted to do that because he has that look. He's a good actor. He's got good presence. Um, again, just just not the actor I'd want involved. Another guy that's been rumored to be uh, reading for Fantastic Four is Richard Madden, who, um, of course, he played, he you know, he played Rob Stark and we know how that ended. So, you know, Jon Snow and Rob Stark are both reading for the role of Reed Richards. Take that as you will. So, Assassin's Creed, I haven't talked about the Assassin's Creed movie in quite some time. As we all know, um, Michael Fassbender is currently attached to star in Assassin's Creed. It's scheduled for a release date in 2015. Uh, Twitch Film is reporting that Daniel Espinosa is being rumored as the director for the upcoming Assassin's Creed film. I will say, Daniel Espinosa, I had the pleasure of meeting him when Safe House came out. Uh, Safe House is, a, is an awesome movie, extremely underrated if you've never seen it. Also, you can see Daniel Espinosa's Snabba Cash, which is a very good film as well. He's also in post-production for a new thriller called Child 44. But definitely, if you haven't seen Safe House, uh, definitely give it a watch. It's a solid movie with Denzel Washington and... Um, what the hell is his name? Ryan Reynolds. So definitely check that out. I, I liked I liked the cinematography. I liked the way the movie was shot. I think that if you did Assassin's Creed in a similar style, it would definitely be interesting as well. But again, Assassin's Creed is slated to hit theaters August 7th, 2015. And Michael Fassbender is currently attached to star in the film. So once we get more news, I will, of course, share it with you guys. Last bit of news to close things out for this week involves the Transporter TV series. A couple of months back, I was talking about it because it was rumored to be airing on Cinemax. As many of you know, Cinemax, usually known for its softcore pornography, has been putting out a lot of great content as of late. One of my favorite shows besides Banshee is, of course, Strike Back. Strike Back is an awesome movie, 
and uh, an awesome show. And Strike Back is going on its upcoming final season. But definitely check it out if you have Cinemax. It's it's, uh, it's uh, extremely violent. Lots of bloodshed. If, you, if you're a fan of the, the military, you're definitely going to want to check it out. There's a lot of cool shit in there. Gratuitous nudity. Ton of violence. Um, Strike Back definitely gets an endorsement from me. Uh, Banshee, also extremely well done. I, I, I really like that. I also liked um, Hunted. Uh, with Alex Hunter, which was very good, and um, it was it was it was not as good as some of Cinemax's other offerings, but I do think that Cinemax has put out some some pretty decent shows. I mean, they're not on par with HBO, but they're definitely solid content. Um, with regards to the Transporter series, it was going to be a Cinemax show, but now it looks like TNT has acquired the broadcast rights, so you will be seeing the Transporter series. On TNT, of course, the transporter is uh, made famous by Jason Statham, and um, the series would follow uh, the character of Frank Martin, played by Chris Vance from Prison Break, Dexter, and Rizzoli and Isles. He'll be playing tra- uh, Frank Martin, and uh, you know, I'm sure every week is going to be a different transporter story, um, and you'll be able to check that out on TNT this fall. I like that Strider says, yay, right after Charmed reruns. You know, it's funny, TNT starting to do a very good job with their original programming, so, you know, we're going to use a wait-and-see approach with regards to that. Again, a Transporter TV series definitely... 90 seconds. Uh, the English lady giving me 90 seconds. Um, I think a Transporter TV series definitely has the potential to be a solid weekly episode because you can have it that he's transporting something or someone he's being chased. I think that the biggest thing that would be an issue for a transporter TV series is fight choreography. You definitely want to do more fighting and not make it an entire show about driving. 60 seconds. Thank you. 60 seconds before the block talk radio feed goes off air. You can continue listening on mtrlive.com, gfqlive.tv, or via Mixler, mixler.com forward slash my take radio. As I was saying, you know, uh, just doing a complete transporter series about, you know, just him driving around and no fights or any of the stuff that made the Jason Statham movie so good would would definitely not give that show a good shelf life. But again, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach. TNT's been putting out, like I said, some very good uh, programming as of late. I mean, most of the programming I watch now is composed of uh, USA, Spike TV, uh, AMC, FX, HBO, of course. I, I, Ten seconds. Ten seconds before the Block Talk Radio feed goes off air. Um, I've been watching on HBO True Detective uh, with uh, McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, and it's it's very solid. I mean, it's it's a mini series, so you're not gonna expect nothing too crazy. But HBO, AMC, FX, these guys, they they really know how to do good programming. If you've seen Justified, um, you know American American Horror Story, uh, Walking Dead, of course, all solid programming from from cable channels. So I got to give credit where credit is due. I don't know. Um, you know, if, uh, like I said, TNT will have success with the transporter, but I definitely will give it a shot. Strider says, I wonder if the blog talk, if blog talk radio has a quarter machine to add more time. You know, what's funny blog talk radio. They give, uh, the maximum is three hours. And then when the live feed goes off air, they actually continue recording. So if anybody listens to the blog talk radio feed, um, 
it gets cut off if you're listening live, but all the stuff that I'm doing now will be in the episode that gets archived. So figured I'd let you guys know that, but that's actually going to wrap up this week's episode. A couple of things I wanted to get out of the way. Uh, We're going to be trying our hand at a Royal Rumble live blog this weekend. Jay Santee will be running it, so keep an eye on that. I, of course, will be updating our Facebook fan page with regards to that, and I will be doing a giveaway of this uh, De La Vier's uh, Mixed Martial Arts Anatomy. I've uh, I received two copies of this book for review. Um, I actually have De La Vier's first book for uh, weight training, and this book about MMA training is uh, very cool. Has a lot of really really great training techniques, uh, anatomy, fighting techniques, stretches. Definitely a great book to have. Um, the weight training equivalent of this book I actually have used quite a bit Uh, the author does a great job using full color images for training uh, including showing you know active anatomy and what works for certain things so definitely a book that if you are into uh, mixed martial arts or even into physical fitness and are looking to get into mixed martial arts you want to get you'll definitely want to get in on this like I said we have two copies one copy for review and one copy that we will be giving away this weekend. Uh, most likely, I will be giving it away on our Facebook fan page. So if you're interested in participating, be on the lookout for a post on our Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash radio. Um, if I don't do it on Facebook, I may also try it on Twitter at radio. if you're interested in getting in on that. All right, so last but not least... A quick reminder that you can get access to 96K stereo episodes of My Take Radio along with original content, mobile wallpapers, um, also one-click listen on your mobile device by picking up the official My Take Radio app. It's available for $1.99 on the Amazon Marketplace, uh, also available for iOS on iTunes and Windows Windows Mobile and Windows on the Windows Marketplace. So again... Amazon Android Marketplace for Android devices, iTunes for iOS, and a Windows Marketplace for Windows Mobile and Windows 8. If you want to catch archived episodes of the show, of course, you can find us on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Blog Talk Radio's archives, iTunes, um, also um, Stitcher as well. If I mentioned it, of course, I mentioned it twice. So there you have it. Last but not least... If you're getting the shows off iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We really appreciate it. It improves our placement in the iTunes listings and, of course, gets us seen by more people. If you want to support My Take Radio and do a lot of shopping on Amazon, make sure to check out the MTR Amazon shop. You can go on there and purchase any of the stuff you normally purchase through Amazon, but it helps out My Take Radio in the process. As always, if you visit MyTakeRadio.com, make sure to check out all the banners and advertisements for all the companies that work with us. Um, all those companies that are on there, we've wor- we've built relationships with them, so it's not random ad A or B. There's only one of those on there, but we work with WWE Shop Zone. We work with MMA Warehouse. Uh, we work with Ripped Apparel. So... All those companies, definitely uh, check them out. Check out our banners. It helps us out, allows us to get better equipment, cover events, do all that cool shit. So, you know, make sure to check that stuff out. All right. So on behalf of myself, Slick, Jay, Andrea, Quark, Blade, 
Ben, and the rest of the MTR family. I will catch you guys next week. Again, if you have any questions or concerns or would like to be a, a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, email me, mtrhost, at mytakeradio.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, at mytakeradio. Add us to your Facebook fan. Uh, become a fan on Facebook by adding our Facebook fan page or add us to your circle on Google+. You can also follow our boards on Pinterest. And last but not least, if you're on Instagram, you can always follow me on Instagram, mytakeradio underscore rich. All right, guys. See you guys next week. Enjoy the Royal Rumble. I am out of here. Peace. All right. So this week I figured we could try something a little different. I figured uh, it would be a good time to uh, what are we going to do? I think since we've been talking about wrestling so much and doing some stuff, we are going to go out with, uh, you know what? Uh, I think we're going to go out with somebody's theme music that I'm hoping we will see at the Royal Rumble this weekend. And that is the theme music for the one and only Evan Bourne. That's going to take us out. You can download the Evan Bourne theme music on iTunes. Thank <laughs> you.